Huxley and Rogers have empirically demonstrated that fetishizing cultural memory is, is both dangerous and foolhardy. Well, then perhaps I'm a fool. <laughs> But you know what I just can't forget? That you fucked my wife. everybody i'm rima and i'm not sean i'm jay <laughs> <laughs> and this is strange indeed a podcast dedicated to the show castle rock today we'll, we will be covering the eighth episode from castle rock titled past perfect Boo. Boo. and um since everyone has already noticed it's sean is not with me this week if you happen to miss that announcement i have with me jason from the walking dead cast and many other awesome podcastica podcast jason welcome hello yeah i'm glad this is like the first time i've been on this show with just me and you so that'd be cool yeah you were on here for an episode i don't remember the epi the specific episode that we covered but you were on an episode of, uh, when we were uh, covering black mirror season four. it was that one that was like a star trek ripoff <gasps> that's right the first that episode was awesome. yeah it was so good <laughs> yeah yeah that. yeah you need to come on more often we always have well, fun I actually hadn't been watching Castle Rock because I'm so busy, but this was a good opportunity for me to binge the hell out of it. So, right. Well, <laughs> I appreciate I appreciate you doing that for sure. for the for the show. That's well, I was curious about it anyway. I, before we jump into our top five, because you did binge this um, series so far, at least up to the current episode that we're getting ready to talk about, give mm -hmm. me your general impressions, just overall, of what you thought. You really want to ask me that? <laughs> 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 I'm um, asking you. Well, okay, so gosh, people who um, have listened to me for a while know that I have kind of a love-hate relationship with the show Lost, and there are some things that I, I still probably put it in my top 10 shows ever, but it started to really get to me when they would do this thing where they would um, have something be weird and not know why it was happening and it over and over again, and then you either learn later or sometimes on that show you never did i have a feeling on castle rock we'll get we're going to get to know why everything happened but that started to feel gimmicky to me and as soon as i started watching episode one of castle rock i'm like i'm gonna look up and see if this show has anything to do with jj abrams oh he's an executive <laughs> producer <laughs> look at that. so so just that was starting to uh, like scratch that or you know poke at me in that same way so i kind of was like Oh man. But then as I watched, as I, as I went along, you know, cause I knew I was going to do the podcast. So I was committed to watching the whole thing. I started to appreciate it more and more the mood of it. And definitely one of my points is about the casting. I think the casting is inspired on the show mm -hmm. and just, um, the twistedness of it. And so it started getting going into like episodes six, seven and eight. I was like, no, I'm really digging this now. I'm like ready to finish out this season and find out. I, I love that it's a seasonal anthology. So we're going to kind of get a complete story supposedly. So um, I'm, I'm digging it now. I think the casting is really good. The filmmaking is great and it's um, got a good mood to it. I feel like it's a bit slow, mm -hmm. you know, it I, can I, be. I like, I like the um, elements that are, 
adjacent to the main story like the henry deaver thing i want to know what happens but i feel like that's kind of drawn out and so when something like this week comes along where we get these new characters and they have their own uh, story that's finished within the course of an episode i actually like this week's episode a lot so i kind of like that stuff a little bit more good i liked last week's episode a lot too with sissy spacek wasn't she fantastic yeah she's really good she was so great Good. See, that wasn't so bad. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I just feel like people who listen to this podcast probably are so into the show. And last, I listened to you and Sean's last episode and I heard Paik talking with great emotion about how Mm -hmm. he, you know, received last week's episode. And I was like, wow, Paik should really be the guest host. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm digging it. Yeah, next season you should have him on. Absolutely. That was a really great voicemail. And it was very Mm. touching. I think we were all kind of there the um, last episode, though. It was kind of emotional for a lot of people. Um, I know I was a little emotional. I had some time. I didn't record fresh from watching it or anything like Paik did. But I know after watching, I was emotional. So um, and stayed that way for a while. But yeah. Sissy Spacek, just her acting is I I haven't really noticed her that much before. I mean, I I saw Carrie back in the day, Mm -hmm. but um, she really elevates the show, I think. Yeah, she does. She's great. Her along with a few others that are really great. Mm -hmm. Well, awesome. See, that wasn't so bad. (laughs) I I knew there'd be maybe a little bit of, 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 you know, some friction just with the whole J.J. Abrams thing, because I know how your feelings are, but um, that wasn't so bad. You just got to let the show draw you in. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll convert me. you eventually. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I think that's. I'm good definitely going to finish out the season for sure. I, good. I know how it goes. Yeah. When, yeah. Now you're in it. You gotta. You gotta know what's what's up. Just like the rest of us. I mean, um, yep. we're all wondering what the hell is going to happen. Do you think you'll watch next season? Um, I don't know. It depends. Um, I I feel like they're probably going to have some of the same characters back, but. Uh, some of them probably will be dead <laughs> mm-hmm. and there'll be a bunch of new ones, right? Do you know much about season no. two? They they haven't, no, they just, they've announced it and they haven't even like really, re- I would guess it'd be around the same time, but we don't know that. We don't have like a date and we don't know anything about storyline or actors. Just, I guess right. it's going to be around Castle Rock and in the whole area, but I mean, that's all that we know. Yeah. So no- yeah, I might. It depends on how it all shakes out. My guess is that it's they're going to probably like reference a lot of the season's characters, just like you know in in Castle Rock. There, there's always references to either Stephen King stories or characters. I think they're probably going to do the same thing. Like there might be a reference to Henry Deaver or something that happened mm-hmm. during the season. Oh, yeah. But that's like just speculation. But like this Jackie Torrance, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like she'll be back and maybe have a bigger even a bigger role because yeah, her maybe. role so far has been kind of small, but she's so into all this dark stuff that I feel like as a cabbie who gets around to different parts <laughs> of town that she'll be involved more, you know? Yeah. And I feel like she, because she knows so much of the history of the show, like in this episode, whenever yeah. she was talking about like, well, I can be like a docent or whatever you need. And I feel uh-huh. like she's already <laughs> kind of for us as viewers playing like the docent. She's giving that history. She's kind of that guide in a way. It's, she's, she has had a small yeah. part, but she almost feels like that guide through some of the history of Castle Rock and kind of being, you know, kind of playing that part right now. Right. And I could see her 
doing that again, maybe in season two and then in season three, like she's the main character or something like that. Yeah, you know, that'd be the cool because I like her. All around her. Yeah, me too. She's cool. She was in the uh, 2013 Evil Dead remake. Mm-hmm. She was the star and she was great. She was. Awesome. Well, that I think is a good way to dive into our top five. Why don't cool. you get us started this week? Okay, like I said, I love the story with Gordon and Lilith, and um, I think it's very dark, this couple trying to get over infidelity, and then they decide to open a chain of bed and breakfast focused on true crime. (laughs) (laughs) One way to do it. (laughs) Yeah, that should really... But I I totally love that uh, they you know, had this schism in their marriage, and yet they decide to stick it out. And I think they probably moved because he got fired from his job. Yeah, beating the shit out of that dude. Yeah, I don't think that that was a fantasy in his head. I think that really happened. (laughs) I do too, because he's got a violent streak, and I love that he's talking about repression and how it's a great Darwinian tool. And then he fucking just (laughs) he just blows that out of the water. Like he does not do a very good job of repressing. Yeah, his violence. But um, anyways, I think we figured out that they moved because of that, and also maybe just to kind of get a fresh start on their marriage. So um. I like that even though this show is a seasonal anthology, their part in the story kind of felt like a single episode thing, like I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. And it was it was good. It was interesting that they... At first, you think, like last week, that they're this innocent couple... And oh shit, they ended up, they're going to end up with this horrible house, you know, and um, Molly's trying to make it sound good, even though (laughs) bad things happen there. But actually you find out, oh, that's exactly what they're looking for. So what starts off as kind of an innocent thing gets a little darker because you find out they're there because of infidelity. And then it gets more darker because you find out he's obsessed with serial killers and wants to open up a bed and breakfast around true crime. And then it gets even darker. I mean, I also love that their story was filled with tension. Mm -hmm. First, the tension of her having had an affair and he beats up this guy. But then um, this couple comes along, the first tenants or whatever, (laughs) uh, customers, and they don't give a shit about any of this stuff, all the work he put into it. And he's annoyed with that, you can tell. And then the them having this loud sex because the pa- walls are paper thin at, right after his wife had come to him tr- wanting to have sex in her little nighty. And, mm-hmm. you know, that was an interesting moment, too, because you can tell he probably wants to, but he just can't bring himself to get there. He needs time. You know, I'm trying, he said. But anyway, so then it just like is a double whammy for him when this couple who didn't care about his thing is then able to have this fantastic sex life. And so it just makes him snap and get to the darkest place of all where he goes up and kills him. And, and I wondered if, um, he had already been a killer. I don't think so. I think that castle rock brings out the worst in people. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Well, I think, and it's funny that you bring that up as your number five, cause it kind of, it's like my number five too is B and B murder house. Um, <laughs> kind of a homage to American Horror Story there. Um, I think he had it. I don't know if he had it in him. I don't know if he would have ever, had he not moved to Castle Rock and been under those types of circumstances and in that environment, if he would have been pushed to that. But I definitely think that either the house, the town, I think even the paintings mm. of the kid that they brought out of the basement had a lot to do it. with it. Yeah, yeah I, th- I feel like that point. even that presence 
what like made this couple go from this miserable couple to murders in like a matter of minutes mm-hmm. like the first 10 minutes they're killing someone and <laughs> you're so right about the tension too because when you can feel that like you could even just watching on the screen from a viewer's perspective you know you could feel that tension like you're there in the room because yes we find out there was an affair and he's you know they're they're moving to this town even in the car, she's talking to him and she looks at him. She's like, you know, it's a beautiful country, right? And you can just see that tension in his hands on the steering wheel. He is just like so full of this frustration or anger and everything that's happening in their marriage. You can just see that clearly when she, like you said, when she interrupts him in that nighty and he's, you know, saying he's trying, he kind of, you can just see that tension in his face you know, this anger that he has and it's like, it's just building up. And, you know, it's something we've speculated before Sean and I, when we've talked about, you know, what it is that, is it the town? Is it the kid? You know, what, what it is, you know, are they like pushers that maybe people wouldn't behave this way, but they kind of give him this push to do that. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, don't know. I think if they're saying that the kid is the source of all the bad things that have happened in Castle Rock in some kind of supernatural force kind of a mm-hmm. way where, when he's around people, they do bad things. To me, it's it's not interesting if they didn't already have a dormant kind of latent thing of doing that. Like if they weren't already sort of disposed to doing it. If it's just like the supernatural force makes them do things that weren't already in them, then mm-hmm. I don't think that's very interesting. I think, and I and the way it's playing out on screen, it does seem like he's or whatever it is is just bringing out things and amplifying things that were already there. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, clearly, it's not turning the whole town into murders because people do live there, and not everybody's offing yeah. each other. So I think you have to kind of have something inside of you that you're capable of that anyway, or you're already yeah. on the edge. Maybe you're not ready to act yet. Because horror is more interesting when it's about, you know, our real impulses. Mm -hmm. If it's, if it's just, uh, okay, this normal dude's walking along and suddenly this force makes him kill someone. I mean, that's kind of interesting, but not as much as if like with this guy, he's obviously obsessed with serial killers. And so he's probably thought about doing something like this before, maybe. Well, maybe. And, and he, he did go off in a rage at that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he did physically that guy, attack yeah. that guy. It was pretty intense, that, that altercation, you know, smacking that guy upside the head with his uh, portfolio thingy there. And, you know, but he looks at his wife as he's chopping them up in the foyer. You know, he's like, I'm not a murderer. You know, he just looks as yeah. shocked as anyone. He's like, I don't know what happened. It's mm-hmm. like, it wasn't myself. And, and that's something we keep hearing throughout this episode. We've heard it right. in others, too. It's like, I don't so feel like it's I'm not, myself. Yeah, they wouldn't have done it anyway. It's amplifying it. But that scene in particular, I liked because she said something like, let's just, uh, can we just pretend this never happened or something? Mm -hmm. And that's the same thing that she said about the affair earlier. Mm -hmm. And so it feels like she's decided maybe to be on his side and support him as a sort of a bargaining thing. Like if you forget about the affair, then I'll forget about those two people you just killed. (laughs) And so this married couple who's had all these problems ends up the strongest bond that they have is over these murders and covering it up. And also later when Henry comes, they both like try to kill him together. So it was kind of a, in a dark twisted way, a sweet end to their story where they're bound together in this thing. I mean, it's horrible, but nothing like they, little they're murder on to each bring, other's side. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nothing like a little murder to bring a couple back together from the brink of the edge. <laughs> right, yeah. I, right. I, I, Save I, their marriage. Yeah. Saves for their like marriage. Five minutes. 
Yeah, for a little while. It was short, short lived. <laughs> but you know, that couple that came in, their first um, tenants, whatever you call them, guests, I guess, since it was a and b um, I'm pretty sure, I think that added to the tension because I'm pretty sure those two were having an affair as well. They weren't oh, yeah, a married couple. Oh, yeah, they were talking about their marriage. Oh, 13 years, oh, two for me. Yeah. It's not a very good job of covering it up. They, Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> why they would admit that you think they'd have a story straight or whatever. But, um, yeah, I feel like, Oh, well that's going to really add to the whole tense moment. You know, the, the already what's happening between this couple and he's mm. aggravated because he, he's all into doing this tour and, and talking about, you know, their whole themed B and B and what he has planned for them. And they're like, Oh, we're not really interested. And Oh, and by the way, we're having an affair too. And yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think about that. I, yeah, that just, I was like, what? And then I didn't even think about it. Yeah, obviously they are. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was like my most of my number five as well. Kind of went in with yours. Did you have anything else that you wanted to say about that? Uh, only, just one little thing that when Gordon was staring at the painting of the kid and they lingered on it for a moment and the camera kind of closed in on his picture, it felt for some reason I was thinking of the shining, like this feels like it's right out of the shining. I don't know if they were trying to do some Stanley Kubrickian filming there, but it was good. Good mm -hmm. stuff. Those were cool paintings. I'd be curious to know. I, I didn't see anything on it, but I would have been interested to see who did those exactly. Or if they were actual paintings, were they mm -hmm. somehow more like photos just put on canvas and, and what they did exactly, but I couldn't find anything on it. So I don't Can know. You yeah, because you're the expert. I want to. There's some <laughs> little bits I'm missing. Uh, so and I think it's probably supposed to be very obvious, and I'm going to feel dumb for asking. But the house that um, they bought, that's the Lacey's old house, right? Yes. That's why Henry went there to go investigate what was in the basement. Yes. That used to be. Okay. And then he, Lacey, did the paintings and then Gordon had asked to keep all the paintings. So that's why he did all those, right? The warden. I think it showed his signature at the bottom of one. Of yeah. Them. Warden Lacey did all of those and he okay. had them hidden in the basement, which was locked. And, and Henry mm. in gosh, episode one or two, I don't remember because it, it feels like forever ago, whenever he went to the Lacey house before it was sold and talked to his widow and um, when she found out, you know, who he was and why he was there, she kind of pretty much threw him out and he was kind of snooping around and noticed that the basement was locked. And I know he asked her yeah. about it, but I even she didn't that. know what was in the basement. So. And then uh, one more question. So the wife, uh, Lilith, Gordon's wife, stabs Henry. Is mm -hmm. that just because they thought he was there suspecting their, that they murdered somebody and they just wanted to kill him. I, I was sort of confused why they attacked him. I know I was, con I was too. And that's, that was the conclusion I came to. I, I think that they thought he was snooping because of that. Like he, you know, had yeah. been all over the house and maybe found some evidence of that or something. And, and so they thought, well, we can't let you leave because now you, <laughs> now, you know, or else maybe they really weren't themselves and now they've murdered and they just keep going. I don't know. I mean, okay. if they're under some type of influence or something, that's possible too, I guess. But I'm not yeah. sure. Okay. Yeah. I think my impression is that, yeah, they were just suspicious or they just thought that he was there investigating them and that cabbie had already come Jackie. So maybe even him wanting to go down in the basement was, or f having gone down in the basement, they're like, this guy is trouble. Let's get rid of him. Yep. Especially since he came in unwelcome and he's there snooping around. 
Mm-hmm. So, and they find him just, you know, poking Poor guy. around. Like he just goes <laughs> there and gets attacked. <laughs> Especially when they're like, you know, yep, I think it'd be a good idea if you left right now. So he thinks he's home free and all of a sudden here comes a psycho wife around yeah. the corner. <laughs> Stabbing him with a knife. Stabs him in the back, literally. Yeah. <laughs> no good. Okay. That's all my, that's my number five. Cool. Well, that was pretty much all uh, like my number five too. And I think we said everything. So if you want to jump into your number four. Okay. This one I'm like kind of less sure of, but it feels like the show is skirting around the idea of alternate realities and timelines. And I, you know, know you and Sean were sort of talking about whether or not, um, Ruth was actually going back and forth in time, or that was just symptoms of her, um, mental condition. Mm -hmm. And, it, it's it, the whole sound dampening room. I, I actually really liked that part a couple episodes ago, mm-hmm. how uh, that guy lured Henry in there and then locked him in. <laughs> yeah. uh, Have fun. And, and then I liked in this episode when uh, Molly got him out, he, he, he had quite an experience in there. He says, I thought I knew how the world worked, what was real and what was not, which sounds to me like he's coming off this really intense psychedelic <laughs> trip or something. Whoa. Yep. Things are not quite what they seem. But uh, then I went back and looked at the te- the dialogue from the deaf guy, Odin Breach, that locked him in there. And he said through Willie... Schisma is actually nanoscale turbulences caused by cochlear quantum totalities abrading in parallel. And he's talking about that, uh, what do you call it, ringing in Henry's ears. Mm -hmm. And abrading, I had to look that up, is like a scraping or wearing away by friction or erosion. So it's like realities or timelines rubbing together like tectonic plates or something like that. Mm -hmm. He goes on. Other ears, other nows, all possible pasts, all possible presents. Schisma is the sound of the universe trying to reconcile them. And then we see that Wendell is also hearing that now. I think this was the first, was this the first time we saw Henry's son? It's not the first time. Oh, hearing the ringing. Yes. Yeah. That scene reminded me of Walt in Lost, by the way, when the bird smashes against the bus. Mm -hmm. But then, yeah, he starts... And then, and whenever either one of them hears it, there's also flashes of different like visions. And so I feel like if, if you go by the way things are in the dark tower, have you and Sean been talking about that at all? Where it's like the central spine of all of Stephen King's work. Yes. We have, we've have a little in the beginning. Uh, Sean hasn't read the dark tower series. He's not super familiar with it, but he knows what it is basically because he's a fan and knows that you know, there is kind of this central thing, all things kind of center around it. Yeah. And so I feel like, uh, not only within, uh, castle rock, could there be different timelines or possible realities where the dog is alive or not? Or in this episode, uh, uh, the kid says to Molly, that's where you died. So I'm like, is that an alternate (laughs) reality? I know. Um, But also, the whole, the different representations of Stephen King's works. So I was looking up Alan Pangborn. I didn't, you guys, I'm sure have talked about this, but he was played by Ed Harris in Needful Things mm-hmm. and Michael Rooker in the dark half. I didn't even realize that. Yeah. <laughs> and now Scott Glenn. So maybe, um, all of those are actually just parallel universes where things are similar, but not exactly the same. I mean, what do you think? Do you think Castle Rock is, do you think all of this is one universe or is it parallel universes with similar people? 
Um, after this episode, I'm leaning more towards multiple universes, just based yeah. on what we found out this episode and just the way things are being, like the things that the kid was saying, like you said about what he what he said to Molly. Um, so that's what I'm leaning towards. But I, I mean, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I have just as many questions too. I'm I'm it, super confused. I mean, reading the Dark Tower, where there there's all these different parallel universes, it seems like you could say that the Ed Harris Alan Pangborn is Alan from a different universe. You know, something mm-hmm. like that. You could. Uh, and then the title of the episode, "Past Perfect," that's a grammatical term. It's, it's a a verb tense. So the past perfect tense is when something had happened before something else, and the example I found online says when Mrs. Brown opened the washing machine, she realized she had washed the cat. <laughs> That's <laughs> so exactly the opening, fun. <laughs> the opening the machine and then had washed the cat it happened before. So I'm not sure exactly how that re- relates to Castle Rock, but it feels like there's a fluidity in the timeline where conflicting events are, are possible. Like the thing about where Molly had died in the woods, but she's still here. So alternate timelines and realities but i I also just want to mention while i'm on the topic of the title that past perfect could also relate to the kid not aging at all he's always the same Mm -hmm. but or maybe in this case with gordon's wife wanting to say that affair and also the killing it never happened it's like washing over the past so I kind of changed the subject from alternate realities to just trying to figure out what the title's about. But those were a couple of things I thought it might be about. I think that's really Did you good. think about that all, all about what the title? It's a little more obscure this time, I would say. I think it was a little bit more obscure. I thought about it a little bit, but I didn't look anything up. I did not mm-hmm. like come up with examples or anything like you did. But okay. I th- yeah, I, well, I was thinking more of the past perfect, like, in the terms of more thinking like, you know, Lilith, the wife trying to make the past perfect or, um, oh. you know, another past, someone yeah, else's yeah. past was perfect. Not so much in, in that context, but I like what you had to say. And I think that makes a lot of sense. The, the But the whole ear ringing thing, um, having something to do with alternate realities, it feels like that is going to be a part of how the show ends or maybe not, but. It seems like it anyway. I feel like it because there's so many just connections um, that are happening. And it seems to be, even though it doesn't make sense, it kind of has to make sense. So Yeah, it's still a huge mystery. And it's, yeah. it's like, if you're going to put that in there, it seems like it's going to lead to something. Well, because they talk about it so much, you know, as yeah. far as the schisma and... You know, and and we have this thing with time within the last episode, you know, having Ruth, which I don't I don't know that I necessarily believe all of it had to do with time necessarily like she's jumping from the past to the present or to the, the anything like that. I do think a lot of it was her her mental illness and her dementia and she can slip through these these memories and get stuck there. Um, but I think that there is a lot to do with either time because they do talk about time. There's this. Oh, they keep going back to this 27 years talk about the kid hasn't aged um so there's lots of time references but there's also all of these you know multi-universe or multi-dimension mm-hmm. even and i'm thinking what if there's like another dimension or contradicting events yeah. yeah so yeah as far as whether she was jumping through time when i was first watching it i thought no i i think this is just like 
I mean, the question really comes when it seems like she's seeing something that happens later in the future, but you know what I mean? Like, well, how could you see the future? I think Sean was asking the same question, but Mm -hmm. you could say if that's an Alzheimer's thing that really she's not in the past, she's in the future, but remembering the past. So it looks like she's in the past thinking about the future, but actually that's her just remembering what happened in the past. But then it was interesting when she would be uh, in the past and, seem to see her future self come into the room mm-hmm. and she would just look over and nod at herself and scenes like that made me go, Oh, maybe this is kind of like a Legion thing, which is a show probably none of you listening have watched, but, um, <laughs> you that, should. Uh, Reem and I did a podcast on where mental aspects of mental, uh, issues could either be interpreted as actually having mental problems or, kind of a byproduct of this super, uh, natural thing or superpower thing. Right. Yeah, I still think that's open to interpretation and they're yeah. not they're definitely not telling us for sure. They they pretty much said the the showrunners were like, Yeah, we're just gonna put that out there and let you decide. <laughs> well, thanks. Which is fine. It I, is I don't fine. Mind that. I, yeah, yeah, it's it's fine. It, it, it's yeah. It's yeah, fun it's to okay. think about. It was it was still it just be definitively stated. Yeah, because regardless of what it really was, I think it doesn't make the, the episode any less beautiful than what it was. I think it was really well done and well acted, so it still stands out. Right. Regardless I, of- I would even say the mystery of that for me made it even better because it's fun to wonder. It could be one or it could be the other and it doesn't really matter which it is, but in this universe it could absolutely be a supernatural thing and that's cool, but maybe it's not. Maybe she's just demented. <laughs> yeah, just witnessing the horrible effects of dementia. Yeah. yeah which, horrible. Which uh, yeah, I like that you guys pointed out that that's what the carrot that drew Sissy Spacek to the role. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Anything else on your number four? Nope. Okay. Well, since I knew that you were going to be on the podcast with me, mm-hmm. I knew I had to like think of something negative to say. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you can match mine. Yeah. I don't have anything negative to say. No. Well, I knew I knew you were initially a little bit iffy when you first started this show that you weren't quite as into it, and I totally respect that, and that's okay. You don't have to be. Um, although I think you're crazy if you're not, because it's really good. I think, but I, I did have a couple of sore spots in in this episode, and I think it's only fair. As much as what I love the show, and I I always talk about how how much I love it in other episodes, I do have a couple sore spots with this one, and so a couple moment, moments of weakness that I feel is only fair to you know, point out, cause I don't want to be that type of person that only just looks at the positive and never, never points it out. I don't want to be blind to it. So first, and I think it's, it, it's more mostly in the beginning stuff that kind of happened, but the, the, the couple that bought the Lacey house. So they bought this house without checking out the basement. Who does that? Hmm. I don't. <laughs> so, yeah. That's a little <laughs> far-fetched. Yeah. Yeah, so knowing that there's a padlock on on the house or on the basement and and nobody, you know, either the realtor and it's it's totally because I was a realtor for uh, an amount of time and I totally get sometimes you don't always have all the keys to to every single door like if it's one of these old houses or you know people over the house or over the course of you know owning a home they lose keys to different doors or you know different things or whatever so I I totally get that but I mean it was just a padlock go get yourself some some <laughs> big old thingamajiggers that cut the locks and go check it out so I thought that was a little bit odd so when you were a um realtor and there was a door locked uh-huh it had to be opened somehow eventually right you get a locksmith in there before someone would would buy it yeah, we'd normally have to, you know, tell the owners that they need to do something with it. Oh, okay. You know, because 
you know, not many buyers. Like get those or, bodies out. We, <laughs> if you got bodies them. down there, you better be getting them out. If you're pulling a John Wayne Gacy and you got bodies under the house, you better better get them out. Might yeah, it was, sell this thing. Yeah, if you if you want to sell it, because people want to to look in those, all those spaces. I don't care if it's a closet, a basement, whatever. People want to get in there and poke around. So, and and mm-hmm. even myself, you know, um, you know, on a personal level, not just a professional level, would you know, I'm going to go poking around. I want to see what's in there. I want to know what I'm in for. What kind of basement um, is that? And I'd probably not buy that house based on the basement alone. Creepy place. Um, so I thought that was a little bit unrealistic. Um, the second thing was. They dragged the bodies downstairs to chop them up, and I thought, why? You would never do that. Why would you not have them in? Because the, they were already upstairs. Put them in the bathroom. Well, that's why they tried to kill Henry because he was going in the basement where they were chopping up the bodies. I so don't that- know. No, well, they weren't home whenever he was there, and he came in through. I don't think they knew he was in the basement because they snuck oh, okay. up on him being in the bedroom. Sorry. So okay. they were they were chopping up the bodies in the in the foyer, and so they're right there in front of the front door, and they have those two side windows right on the side that flank <laughs> the the front door, and it's like, you know, and well, Jackie came right on in. I mean, it's a B and B. People aren't. It's not like your personal home where people would knock before they enter. It's a B and B. You you. It's you know, a place of business. So yeah, she gave that quick knock and walked on in. That was kind of unrealistic. Plus, it's messy. You don't. Get if you can help it get blood all over hardwood floors. That doesn't come out. Put them in the kitchen. Put them in the bathroom. Put them in the bathtub so you can wash that shit out. Just seem unrealistic. Have they never killed right. anyone before? Yeah. Um, Speaking from your experience as a serial killer, right? I have this stuff <laughs> well thought out. I've given I've given some thought. Um, yeah, that to, makes total sense. Well, tile I mean, is much better. Tile or like kitchen Ceramic. linoleum, some type of easier to clean floor. Blood mm-hmm. seeps into wood and wood is porous. So it will right. like seep in. And it's not, and tile's not even that great because if you're, if you're not sealed well on your tile, it's going to seep into your grout <laughs> and in oh, your tile. Shit. So you have to really think this stuff Bathtub's out. Bathtub's best. Bathtub is best if you're going to dismember mm-hmm. someone. So the blood is contained right. and it goes down the sink. And or of course we know linoleum. if you can get yourself a big, uh, plastic tub with filled with acid i mean a barrel yes then you can go walter white on them that's a lot of acid though i don't know where you get that much acid um you have to go back and watch those episodes yeah i remember when they bought the big plastic containers i don't remember where they got all that acid so yeah you could do that too if you've got a way to get it out of the house that would certainly take care of it but you just you don't dismember a body in the foyer on a wood floor on a porous type floor it needs to be on a linoleum type surface easy to clean or in a bathtub if you have one so it's that shit can drain out and it's easier to clean i don't know what these people are thinking and then um i was they're they're neophytes i guess but (laughs) so and then i was a little bit irritated that we still don't really know what's happening at shawshank um and the wildfires that are happening all over so there's all this talk about you know you'd hear um like news overtures as you know, scenes were beginning to start or something. You'd hear the news um, in, in someone's house or you'd hear the radio on the news or something. And, and you'd hear them talking about the wildfires or the shooting at Shawshank. And it's like, well, what's happening there? They just kind mm-hmm. of left us a little bit. So I don't know if yeah. it's, if, I don't know if we will know. I don't know if they're going to circle back to it in the next couple of episodes. It may not even matter, but I was, I know I was thinking about it anyway. So those are some of my sore spots with this particular episode. The wildfire thing kind of feels, um, like what's going on here with me a little bit because I'm in San Francisco and apparently there's fires all over California. I keep hearing, but San Francisco's foggy and 
like cool. So I don't see any of it, you know? Mm-hmm. So I just keep hearing on the news and I could probably drive a couple hours and be in the middle of it. I don't know. But yeah, I, but that's not to say anything here or there. I agree with you. It's interesting that they keep talking about that, but we don't see any of it. Well, and they were talking about it being a real threat. It wasn't like, oh, it's 20, 30 miles. It seemed like it was, you know, right they were almost that. on the verge of evacuating. And, you know, you could see the, you know, the kid is up on the roof and you can see in the distance the the fires raging and the smoke billowing. Um, so it seemed close and it seemed scary and it seemed like a real mm-hmm. threat and that they could have been evacuated at any time. So it just, it's like, well, what happened with that? Was it all of a sudden, which I know it can turn because you're talking about California wildfires. You know, my daughter lives in California outside of LA and there was a fire outside of her, the community that she lives at. It was literally, she was, she was here um, visiting me and not out California at the time. Thank God. Cause I would have been a mess if she had been there. And I know that she's got a fire in her backyard, but she was getting these like Snapchats from people that lived in the community. They were on the verge of evacuating because they live in a gated community. So there's this big gate ar- around. So you'd see like right behind the gate in these houses um, in her community, there's fires raging and you'd see the planes <laughs> where the planes are dropping that like that fire retardant stuff to keep it from getting on houses and stuff. Wow. <laughs> and so it went from like being right there at the edge of her community to like within a couple of days, they had it pretty well contained and the threat Jesus. was minimized. But, um, so it sounds like they can, you know, if they have the good support, um, and resources that they can kind of contain them. So maybe that's what's happened and why we haven't heard about them in castle rock, but I'm just like, well, what happened? We were hearing about them and then nothing. Yeah. It's so. yeah. That's another thing that, like we were just saying the um, alternate reality thing is they've been mentioning it a lot, but no real resolution or development with it. So it feels like that should have a part in the next two episodes. I mean, we'll see, but it maybe seems like it would. Maybe, and yeah. it's okay if not, but it might just be a way to create tension. Like, yeah, there's just like shit happening all around and it's dangerous. <laughs> well, and I think it, I mean, and maybe it's just a, plot device to add to the craziness of castle rock because like the um the cop the state cop that was talking to henry was like you know well we've got you know um the shawshank thing we've got you know five people missing we have 14 people what dead and stuff and i know that there was like a they had you know had said like a firefighter had died fighting that wildfire at some point so i don't know if they're just talking about you know adding that to all this craziness and the yeah. tension that's happening yeah exactly you know so i don't know it i wonder if that. the writers are in la like maybe they're in california so they are dealing with this stuff maybe i don't know when the show was made but the fires have been going on for a little while it's true it's so yep. unfortunate how rampant it is out there because it's yeah. beautiful and destroys so many trees so it's horrible i mm-hmm. oh, no. Anyway. One of our listeners on Walking Dead cast, Harv, uh, in Santa Rosa, his house is gone. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So That's horrible. I feel my heart goes home. out to, I mean, because there's nothing you can do. You see it on the news and there's like nothing you can do. It just, mm-hmm. it rages and people get you hurt. You can uh, support your climate change uh, legislation and anything like that. That you can do. Not to get into politics. Not to get into politics, but that you can do. We don't have to get into politics to say, yay, we support the environment. That's (laughs) right. (laughs) All right. Where are we? So that was my number four. So what's your number three? Okay. You guys have already talked about this a lot, but it came up again this episode, the kid, and we still don't really know where he's coming from. And I I feel like over time, when he first came on, it seemed like there were more playing up 
that he seemed like a menace and an evil, like he could even be Satan. Mm -hmm. And that's why the warden had him locked up. But more and more, we're seeing more benevolent impulses, more uh, like he's a good guy coming out of him. Like in this episode, he said he wanted to protect Ruth. That's why he wanted to hide Pangborn's body. Yep. That seemed like a good, well, relatively (laughs) good impulse. I mean, I, I find him a little problematic because in those first few episodes, he was really interesting and exciting because you think, oh, this just seems like that maybe he's the personification of evil. And Bill Skarsgård had to play it very uh, still so that he wouldn't, it, we could project all of our ideas about what this guy is onto him without him confirming or denying any of it. Mm-hmm. And so it was easy to think of him as a bad guy. But now that he's doing little good things, then it feels like, oh, well, I'm not sure how to feel about this guy. And it's a little not as exciting, I guess. It's interesting. Like, I actually do think it's pretty interesting if he, when we saw him go into the birthday house and they all just, <laughs> that was a crazy scene when it turned from a happy to a murderous occasion. And it, other times where I don't even think he needs to touch people. I think sometimes he just needs to be near them to make bad things happen. Mm -hmm. But anyways, I think it is interesting if he is a good guy or an innocent guy, at least that he's somehow cursed so that whoever he's around bad things happen. But, uh, I don't know how much he knows of what effect he has on people. I mean, if he knows that being around people causes bad things to happen, then, that kind of makes it seem like he is kind of a bad guy because he, whoever he should just not hang around people if he knows that's, that's going to happen. So I don't know. I guess that's just my impression of in this episode, we find out that he waited 27 years for Henry and that he supposed, or at least that's what he says and that he rescued Henry from the basement. And, you know, the big question is why in the, that first episode did he even ask for Henry? We still don't really know the answer of why, but it seems like their fates are connected back when Henry was missing for 11 days. And and then we saw that Henry's uh, father wrote, Henry did it, right? Mm-hmm. About killing him. And so you wonder, well, if uh, the kid, quote unquote, makes people do bad things, maybe he made Henry kill his father. And so I don't know, I guess I'm just kind of rambling, but all these pieces are coming together and yet I still feel as lost as ever when it comes to this guy. (laughs) Me too. Every time I feel like I have these moments like, yes, I told you, or yes, I knew it. Then 50 more questions spring up (laughs) by the time it's over. I'm like, shit, back to square one again. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Oh gosh. Bill Skarsgård is so good. I mean, he, the way he's so deliberate in the way that he moves and I mean, he's almost sometimes like this reanimated corpse looking type, the way he kind of moves around and he's, you know, just very still and deliberate and he hasn't spoken much. And sometimes it's easy to believe he could be somewhat evil. I mean, just the, the expression on his face, those eyes of his are like dead eyes. Um, so it's easy to believe that he could be, but I think we saw emotion out of him, you know, that exact thing that he told Henry, he's like, you know, I rescued you from that basement. I didn't ask for any of this, you know, he, you know, and he's like, I waited 27 years for you. I mean, that was probably more emotion, you know, at least human emotion. And it certainly, I think made him seem more human because no, we don't really know what he is. Warden Lacey called him the devil, 
you know, I, you know, and then Pangborn but said even the same he thing. says he doesn't know for sure if he did yeah. the right thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. And he doesn't know. It. And Pangborn is repeats what Warden Lacey told him, you know, that he, he, you know, found out like, and I, this is not verbatim at all. I'm just kind of paraphrasing that the, you know, the devil was a boy, you know, and, and he had that boy in his trunk and that's when Pangborn found, you know, him when he pulled uh, Warden Lacey over and saw uh, the kid in his trunk. Um, so, I mean, they all, and, and I think that's what keeps being pushed on him. But then you hear when Molly and Henry were talking and he's again stating, I don't know that he, cause he's not doing things like himself. It's like, he's making people do these things and we don't know that that's deliberate. I don't know. I don't know if he is doing it on purpose. Um, or if he, like you said, he's kind of cursed. Is he, does he just, is he just this being that he, it, he can't help it? That it's just, it's that effect that he has on people. But I think that he does kind of know because he told that Nazi prisoner that he was roommates with. He said, don't touch me. Yeah. yeah or like, you don't knows. want to touch me. So it's like, he, he kind of knows. It seems like something happens when all that stuff went down with young Henry because he's, um, the kid says, I didn't ask for any of this. So something was thrust upon him, whether it was this curse or this agelessness, or he also has some sort of agenda because he says things like in this episode, he said to Molly about Pangborn. I don't think he's ready yet. And it's annoying to me because Molly goes ready for what? And then he goes, you can help me. He ignores her question. Mm -hmm. And so it's like this whole JJ <laughs> Abrams thing of let's just keep throwing out secrets and having people not say it. So you'll wonder what's going on and then you'll find out later. <laughs> I don't know. I know. Okay. Well, I know. I know that irritates you very much, and I I totally get it because he is he does ignore her because she's like he's like well he's yeah. not ready. I think he's talking about Henry. He's because he said he's not ready, um, and he said but you can help me. And he says you know me, and she says no, I don't know anything about you. And he and goes then, yes, you do. Yeah, and, I was there. I saw you. Yeah, all that. I mean, when too much of that happens, where it's like. It feels like I, I imagine J.J. Abrams has this fishing pole with like a candy bar hanging from it and he's dangling in front of you, but pulling it away a little uh -huh. bit. Come on, come on. And uh, after uh, a while when it takes a lot of work to keep all these mysteries in your head and I imagine lots of people all over the country watching the show. Going, Ooh, what is this all about? I, I start getting this feeling like I don't fucking care. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing the work. Just <laughs> I mean, I do kind of tell but, me. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I mean, there needs to be a lot of other things to pull me along besides just that fishing mystery fishing pole. And the show is starting to have more of that. So I'm appreciating it on other levels. And I do like, you know, it's a murder mystery. Basically it's like what happened to, uh, Henry Deaver's dad. I mean, we saw how he got killed, but we don't really know why. So I'm, I'm curious to find out the answer to that. Yeah. And I think that they, it, and, and to be honest, I know he's an executive producer on the show, JJ Abrams, but honestly, I don't know how much influence he has. I don't know how much he's, you know, I don't know if it was just his name on it that helped push it to, yeah. you know, to bring he's it to the not, forefront. Cause I know Stephen King really doesn't have, I mean, they kind of ask him some things. I know they asked him about, you know, um, like the showrunners went to him and were like, Hey, I think we're going to kill Pangborn. Are you okay with that? How right. do you feel about that? So I think that, uh, who? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and he gave his blessing. So I don't know that yeah, if he good. if he had if he had nixed that, would they have been like, okay, yeah, we're not going to do that because he says not to. We're not going to ask Stephen King anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah, we're just not going to ask him anymore. So I don't know how, how much of it a high level. I mean, I don't think they run everything by him, but I think that when it comes to at least a, a beloved character like Pangborn, who's played such a big part yeah. in a lot of the Stephen King universe, they go to him and just be like, this is what we're wanting to do. Are you okay with that? Because, I mean, I don't think that necessarily means that Alan Pangborn can't be in any more Stephen King books if he chose to bring him back or something. It's, it's his works and this isn't a true Stephen King work it's like inspired by his characters and his locations like it Castle has Rock. a vibe to it they're good at yeah. capturing his vibe but oh, definitely because I read an interview with the two showrunners I forgot mm-hmm. their names but they specifically talked about yeah this is a combination of a Stephen King and the J.J. Abrams mystery box so even if J.J. Abrams isn't that involved they still are mm-hmm. students of his work and they're really trying to capture that and I yes, can tell that's yeah. true there that is true I mean it definitely has his influence for sure um along with you know Stephen King it's like they're they're mixing the two and I'm sure mm-hmm. they're probably putting their own stamp onto it as well because right. they're artists yeah. and they want to have their own. But um, yeah, that makes total sense. So, you know, I, I, I just don't know that he, he, he has probably more of just an outside influence because they're inspired by him and his work. Not so much. He's telling mm-hmm. them what to do necessarily. I think my sense is when someone's an executive producer, that can mean anything from they're in there in the trenches helping a lot to they have their name on it to help it, but they have no idea about exactly. anything, you know, could be that, any, anything on that spectrum. That's exactly how I see executive producer. It's a pretty broad spectrum. And I think it's dependent upon the person in that role. And then also the other powers that be want them to have, um, much of a, a, a part in, in all of it. So um, just like with Joel and Ethan Cohen on Fargo, I think they were billed as executive producers and they just like had nothing to do with it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That was all <laughs> Noah Hawley for sure. He's mm-hmm. definitely, um, but I think he respects, respects them enough to have them. And I guess if they, you know, had something that they wanted to say, take that in consideration, but I don't think, I think Noah Hawley would still yeah. do his own thing because he's awesome. Yeah, I think he would love it if they would get involved, but they're like, whatever. Just pay us the whatever the money for being executive producers. Exactly. <laughs> Keep the checks a coming. Um, I know. I but I, I totally agree with what you said though, because I I will sit there, especially after like this episode, and just think I know the powers that be behind the show are just laughing their asses off at how we as a, the fandom, or even just me, um, in as an individual, are losing our damn minds over this show. <laughs> <laughs> there is like. So much speculation, so many theories, and people are just going bananas trying to figure this shit out. So I, you can't help but feel sometimes that you're just getting messed with, and they're just sitting back in their big armchair, <laughs> stroking their cat, going, bah, ha, 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 you know. <laughs> so I don't know. They love that, yeah, and and it's great. Like some people just get so into it and get so much uh, satisfaction, and it's so rewarding to think about that kind of thing. And for me, for the most part a little goes a long way. I mean, I do like some of it, but a little, I'll just say that a little goes a long way for me. That's true. Mm-hmm. Very true. Anything else about your number three? Nah. Okay. Finished with that one. My number three is pretty short and sweet, but I feel like I, we have to say something and we mentioned her a little bit already and that's, um, here's Jackie. Um, mm-hmm. so we mentioned how she gets more of a, a, a role this week. We haven't, you know, she's kind of been sprinkled throughout. She's been a little, in my opinion, a little color, um, a little character to add to, to Castle Rock. She's kind of the voice of Castle Rock. I feel, 
um, a lot of times that we see her, she knows the history. She's she appreciates it. I definitely feel like I've got a connection with her because I'm I'm kind of obsessed with true crime, serial killers, the macabre. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm into all that stuff. And I would be so, and I'm totally with her. She said in that one episode after the kid had been released and she has him in their car and, and you know she's smoking pot and she's just you know rambling on and on and on as he's just sitting there and she's talking about you know it's like not like there's anything else to do in this town you know and um, so I totally <laughs> get it and totally related to her. So I, I, and I love when she like said, "Ah, oh, I had this idea five years ago." Like I, I, <laughs> I totally felt like that a couple of times. But you got to have the wherewithal to make it happen. Exactly. So she's like, respect. Um, and I think it was really smart of her what she did, you know, going in. And I, I'm sure part yeah. of it was business for her. But I think also just because she's nosy, I feel like she's definitely, she, yeah. she pokes around where she probably shouldn't sometimes. <laughs> and, and she's very well, curious. They, and They made the perfect pair. Like they could, I mean, this happens all the time in tourism, I think. But as a cabbie, she could direct people there, just like she said. And then they could you know, throw their business her way. And mm-hmm. because she is so fascinated with it, it would have been, she could have enthusiastically re- recommended them. So if they would have just got their heads out of their asses, they could have gotten some business. Exactly. It definitely mm-hmm. um, is an in tandem thing because if she's taking people who come into town, you know, as a taxi service up to that B and B, she could be thrilling them with stories and getting them all pumped. And then right. they get to the B and B and they fill it even more with, because they were um, recreating murders that had happened in the house um, in the town and things like that. So she could have got them pumped and been like that opening act at a comedy act or something, you know, been getting them all primed and ready. Um, and then also, um, for, for tourists, you know, if, you know, let's take a tour around the town. She could take them around to the haunted spots or take them around to the, the different houses. Like this is where this happened and that's where that happened. And they could, you know, definitely work off of each other. So right. she was definitely and smart. Say, you may actually get killed. <laughs> right. There's a good chance. There's a good chance. <laughs> Stick around long enough and there's a good chance. Um, then you'd be a part of the story. Um, it's an interactive story. <laughs> so, or you can kill someone. <laughs> Whatever. If you got it in you, it's going to happen in Castle Rock. That's for sure. It's going to bring mm-hmm. it out in you. But I, I really Ooh, like that. That makes she... me wonder which I, what I would be, the killer or the killed. Hmm. <laughs> we'll come back to that. <laughs> we'll leave that for speculation for everyone else can take a guess. Um, but I like that she had a little bit more of a crucial role this week, which to me was not just this awesome part that she played, but is I think an Easter egg in of itself. Um, she got to save Henry from the murderous husband when she stuck an ax in his head, which yeah. keeps in with family tradition, taking after her old <laughs> right. uncle Jack, uh, from The Shining. So, mm-hmm. you know, and, and also it echoes that I don't know if this was a Stephen King thing or a real thing, but that uh, mannequin that had the axe mm-hmm. in its head in the first place and she said it was the wrong kind of axe or whatever. Yes. Yeah. The, well, the type of axe that was in the mannequin's head was called a felling axe. And she's like, oh, that's a felling axe, you know. Um, <laughs> and I forget the character's name that she said. But when you know she knew the, the person that she, he was recreating this murder that had happened, the, the real guy that had the axe stuck in his head. She's like, well, he was a fireman. Um, it was supposed to be a fireman's axe that you're supposed to be using. And those are very different axes. Um, as I'm aware, I know what a fireman's axe look like um, from experience. And then, um, I mean, just in general... I've chopped a lot of wood in my youth. I know what a felling axe mm. is. That's mainly what the felling axe is for, is for like your bigger trees um, and for the bigger logs. Is that That's uh, what they're that made sense. for. Felling um, trees. Yeah. So I, I loved her knowledge of the axes. I thought that was hilarious when she's in there talking to that couple and she's talking about it. And he's like, oh, you really know your axes. <laughs> she, it's like, <laughs> yeah, of course she does. It's family tradition. But I do have to point out it was in the movie 
that Jack Torrance uh, was chasing his family with an axe. And in the book, it was, I'm going to say, a, a roke. Is that how you pronounce it? Roke mallet? I think so. Yeah. Which is similar to a croquet mallet, but it's like the American version right. of croquet. Which is another sort of maybe hint that these things are happening in different realities. And in some realities, he used a hatchet and others a mallet. Right. And I think they probably picked axe or hatchet or whatever because more people have that image stuck in their head from the shining. It's such an iconic image. Right. I think more, yeah. more are probably, and I, and I'm probably wrong. Maybe it's split, but maybe more, at least the visual, maybe more are familiar with yeah. that image of, of, I think more are, yeah. I mean, less people read books than watch movies. Not anymore, I don't think, unfortunately. But I know there are yeah. a lot of fans of the book itself. Fans, yeah. But it, I think they would it's, have been thrilled if it was a mallet. I, I'm sure there. Absolutely, they would have been that, thrilled yeah. had she come around the corner and just all of a sudden, because that was a pretty awesome visual. <laughs> yeah. When you see, you know, you see the vision of like what Henry sees, you know, and the guys over him, and all of a sudden, crack, you know, and then you see Jackie's <laughs> face, and you're like, oh my god, that's so freaking awesome, knowing you know that her uncle was Jack Torrance, and and of course that is the image that people have in their head. I think that is why they yeah. probably went with Jack the axe. Nicholson. Jack Nicholson. <laughs> And busting through the door Here's trying to kill his, yes trying to kill his family with the axe being all crazy and again not quite acting like himself like you know what right. happens in in this show the the hotel kind of brought it on him right i think you know the real person who brings out all these dark qualities in people that maybe were dormant before is stephen king it is stephen king <laughs> he brings it up so if you ever spend any time with him be careful um you know, one thing I didn't mention when we were talking about Gordon is because it is interesting on this show that they often reference um, old, like Jack Torrance has been referenced and uh, different characters, killers from other Stephen King works. But his wife mentioned that he did his PhD on the BTK killer. Yep. It's a real thing. So it's not a yeah. Stephen King thing. Um, here's no. the Wikipedia. And I just think people might find this interesting. So the BTK take killer, BTK killer, Dennis Lynn Raider, born March 9th, 1945, is an American serial killer known as the BTK killer or the BTK strangler. BTK stands for blind torture kill, which was mm -hmm. his infamous signature between 1974 and 1991, he killed 10 people in the Wichita, Kansas metro area. Raider was particularly known for sending taunting letters to police and newspapers describing the details of his crimes. After a decade-long hiatus, Raider resumed sending letters in 2004, leading to his 2005 arrest and subsequent guilty plea. He's currently serving 10 consecutive life sentences at El Dorado Correctional Facility in Kansas. So there you go. Bad guy living a double life because I guess he was putting uh, up the persona of a normal loving family man uh, while going out and, you know, because he was married and I guess had a family and then he was going out and um, wow. getting all dexter on everyone. Insane. Like yeah. Ted Bundy. He was a lawyer and a charming, good looking guy. Right. Ted Bundy. Yeah. I think that was the, the one. Oh, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was good looking. He was charming and um, definitely not someone that you would perceive when you see him as a serial killer. Sure. So it could be anyone. If you're walking could. along right now listening to this, look around. Do those look like nice people? Isn't that don't what they so always sure. <laughs> Hey, I don't trust anyone. I've seen enough shit and I watch true crime every day. I listen to enough true crime. You, know, you want to get dark because and... like I always get into the dark and twisty shows, you know, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um 
Ash versus Evil Dead, Walking Dead. I mean, what are they even like American Horror Story? That's the worst. But uh, I, lately, what I've been watching on YouTube are videos, anything with road rage in the title. So they have these <laughs> compilations of people just cutting each other off and then slamming on their brakes and then smashing in or like these two women like coming to a Taco Bell at the same time. And, and so they're both like blocking each other from getting into the drive through and they're just yelling at each other. I was here first. You get back. And then this other person trying to get in is like, well, why don't you just back up? It's just Taco Bell, but they won't. So they sit there for like an hour until the cops come. It's just the darkest wow. side of humanity. <laughs> you wow. really see ego plays a lot in it. Like a lot of times it's someone wants to merge in and someone won't let them. So they smash into each other. Sounds like a personal experience. <laughs> <laughs> Rima knows that, that something like that happened to me recently. But after that, I, I vowed that because then um, the next day or not the next day, like a week or two later, I was in the mall parking lot. And this is a total aside. Sorry, guys. But I was driving along with uh, my son and his friend in the backseat. And I see a parking space open up and I'm just a little bit past it. So uh, or the guy's backing out. Right. And I was uh, I just, you know, I could either drive past him or I could back up a little bit, and let him back out and then I could go in. So I look in my rearview mirror. There's somebody like several car lengths back, way, way back. Um, so I'm like, all right, I'm just going to back up. So I back up, the guy backs out, and then I go to get in the spot, and the guy behind me just speeds up next to me, gets out of his car, comes up to my window, and he said like, hey, I was going to get in that spot, you know, and I, I, my first instinct was to tell him to fuck off, but I was like, no, nope, <laughs> I'm just going to let, I think I'm right, but I don't care. I got to set a good example for my son who wasn't paying attention. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Go ahead. I just went and found another spot. What do you think? Did I do the right thing or should I have like backed into his car a couple of times? No. <laughs> <laughs> like no, doing I don't YouTube videos. Then you could have been in one of those YouTube videos and we could have all been like, check out Jason. <laughs> that. Off on jail. that guy. Yeah. Um, in a sense, I'm crying because. <laughs> <laughs> he has no dad. <laughs> that's that's my dad. Um, <laughs> no, I think I, when you think logically and with your head, then yes, you did the right thing. I think, I think yes, but I totally get how you have to suppress that because it's stupid is something. I mean, it's a parking space. I think yeah. it's silly. You know, I. But your first initial when you get like that or like if you're waiting on a spot or you see someone pulling out and you're you're sitting there waiting and then that person pulls out and all of a sudden someone zips around real quick yeah. and zips in there. I mean, it's like, really, dude, that's, you know, kind of a dick move. Yeah, it triggers something primal. I think more in guy in women, too, but maybe more in guys. You don't want to be a uh, uh, supplicate supplicant to somebody, you know, it's mm -hmm. this dominance thing. And especially if you're in the right. But um I've come to feel like I think I'm actually the winner, even if I'm in the right, if I just back off and don't worry about it, you know, like, you still come out on top. Yeah. I it's, mean, I don't know. I don't want to let people take advantage of me too much, but sometimes in those situations, especially if the other person's really triggered, then I feel like I'm kind of, if you conduct yourself with poise, you're actually coming out ahead. Even if, if you didn't get that uh, parking spot. Well, 
and it's really scary. It's best to try to diffuse the situation if you can, no matter what you're feeling yeah. inside. People, you know, people carry weapons and stuff. There's right. been some real incidents that people have really gotten heated over some things, and people have been hurt, you know, either really badly beaten up. I mean, you see people, it's like Grand Theft Auto. They start pulling people out of cars and punching them or something, or people have weapons, and it's horrible. So it's best to diffuse it. Well, that that merging thing that we alluded to but didn't really describe was me trying to get over in the lane and it was wall-to-wall people and the next turn was mine. So I did see a space to go into and I headed into it and the person in the lane beside me sped up and started honking so he could fill the spot that I was going into. And instead of letting him do that, I kept on merging over and we scraped against each other a little bit. I found out it was actually even less than I thought in the, in the moment. I was so pissed, but I got back into the other lane and then he turned and I followed him and I was so mad and he he I took a picture of his license and he saw that so he stopped in the middle of the road and got out of his car and I got on my car and I was I he I was just like you better get the fuck away from me I was so mad and he could see how mad I was that he went what are you gonna are you gonna um fight me with your son in the back and when he said that I calmed down I was like no, I, I don't want to do that. <laughs> but uh, he was the one who was afraid of me in that moment. And even seeing like fear, you putting me putting fear on someone else's face. I mean, there's a part of me that was kind of like, yeah, that's right, you motherfucker. But then the other part was like, <laughs> no, nah, I don't want to get into a fight with somebody like that's no good. And it, it could have been the other kind of guy who was like you said, maybe he had a gun or. Uh, if you watch some of these uh, YouTube videos, they do have mace or guns that they pull out. Yeah, we're going way off track, just, but we are going way off track. But it's a good lesson for everyone to look. I've got some. I've never gotten out of my car, but I have some serious road rage. If you ever drive with oh, me, really? that is just a warning for everyone. If you if I'm driving, which I have to drive because I get I get car sick, so I have to drive. So just deal with it. Number one and two, you're just gonna have to ignore me and just deal with it that I get road rage. I don't get out and scream at people. Um, I don't even really flip people off that often. Um, I just, I yell at them because people are idiots and they don't know how to drive and that irritates me. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you know, I, I would be scared if, you know, it, even as furious as what I get in those moments, I would be scared if, you know, someone else was, you know, furious like that got out and confronted me right. or did something. I would have been like, Whoa, um, I'm just mouthing here. You know, I'm, I'm harmless <laughs> kind of, sort of, I don't know. But I, yeah. I mean, I just want to try to like not get into that triggered space and be more of the kind of person that can diffuse a situation like that. That's from now on. That's that's your skills coming into play from dealing with um, assholes at Walker Stalker, <laughs> the like people who get mad about like certain things and and have gotten and confronted you and you've had to diffuse it or bring them down and stuff. Yeah. And as much as we are going off track, it really does relate to Stephen King universe and Castle Rock in particular, because I feel like that's what it seems like. Anyway, the kid is doing is he's just whatever you get triggered by and have your uh, rage response to that. He just amplifies it. Right. Elevates it to like, brings it to the next level. It Mm -hmm. seems a couple more levels up. Yeah. Or down a couple more levels up, (laughs) but it definitely like elevates it. Like maybe someone has murder inside of them, but they, they have no intent of acting on it, but he brings out that intent or gets rid of all the uh, inhibitions and amplifies the, the rage. Right. Mm -hmm. 
Anyway, anyway, I don't even remember. I know we were talking about Jackie with my number three and yeah, Jack Torrance. And no, that's all. It was short and sweet. I just I thought she deserved a mention because I thought it was super cool and I really like her. So I had to put her in my top five. So yeah. that was my number three. Me too. And I love that she's related to Jack Torrance. Yes. And I love that she changed her name to, you know, it was Diane, Jackie, Jackie, interesting. She's like, just to piss my parents off and that I totally respect it. I'm like, you got, I got you girl. You're we're we see each other. I got you. (laughs) Okay. My number two is, is the casting, which we've talked a little bit about. I mentioned, I thought the casting was inspired. One of my favorites is the main character, Andre Holland, who plays Henry. He was, Mm -hmm. I only know him from American horror story, Roanoke. He has this certain like sad, resigned quality about him mm-hmm. that in Roanoke was actually a little, he seemed a little annoying, but for some reason it really works in Castle Rock. I don't know. Um, and Sissy Spacek is so great. Of course, Scott Glenn, which I know you guys have talked a lot about. He's so good. So no real surprises there. In this particular episode, we had um, Mark Herlick as Gordon, the guy who ended up being a murderer mm-hmm. and i most remember him from election did you see that i did not i know him best from one of my favorite episodes of star trek voyager <laughs> he was only on like one episode uh, but i really I liked that it. episode <laughs> election was this great movie starring matthew broderick and a young reese witherspoon mm-hmm. and it's based on a book written by tom parada who co-created left behind with damon lindelof but it's 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 a dark movie but it takes place in a high school it's it's a good movie anyways he he's he's good and then uh we had lauren i don't know if this is a typo like a autocorrect what the hell is the girl who played lilith the woman because my my notes say lauren bowels but i have a feeling that's not right. <laughs> i didn't get her name God i didn't I, it might have been well, as I was reading it somewhere, but I didn't have it in my notes. Well, but I've seen her before. Yeah. And I didn't remember where I saw her, but she was in True Blood. She played Holly the Wiccan. Yes. Yeah. I remember and her I from loved True her Blood. That. And I didn't know this before, but she's Julie Julia Louis Dreyfus's half-sister on their mother's side. Oh, interesting. So there's a little fun fact. That's it. Yeah. Casting is, you know, they, they have some really great, like, not as well-known actors. They have some really great um, actors like Sissy Spacek and Scott Glenn that really kind of anchor, I feel, the show and really give it that depth and that character. But we also get to explore the new ones. And we, you know, if you've seen the new version of it, you know, you know, you got Bill Skarsgård, which I think is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And like everything that he does, he, he just really puts himself into that, into his roles. And, you know, so I like, I like the mixture of the, the well-known and the ones you know that are good, you know they're going to put on a good performance. And others you don't know, but you're learning that, wow, they're just as good. And it's very nice and well-rounded. Yep. We talk a lot about them, that's for sure. A lot of these characters, we feel. I haven't been disappointed, really, by anyone's performance. And Me neither. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and Melanie, oh, I can't, her last name, is it Melanie Linsky, who plays Molly Strand? I love her. She's She's, she's yeah. fantastic. So um, they, they did a really great job casting for sure. Mm-hmm. And then of course, you know, who can, you know, you got John Locke in the beginning. I and know. He, yeah. Damn. Like, more. I want more of him. I know. Yeah. Kind of bummer. They killed him off in that first episode, <laughs> but he keeps 
kind of keeps circling Popping back up. in a in yeah. a way. Yeah, you, you hear his voice or you see him in flashbacks or something. So we still get him sprinkled throughout. So I like it. Awesome. Okay, so my number two is a, a lot that I'm finding a theme, not just in this episode, but like in the series itself, I feel like it keeps coming around is this theme of forgotten memories. And you mentioned that line from the, the beginning, the guy that has a literal bookmark across his face. Um, he says, the fundamental problem is that repression has become a dirty word when it is in fact a crucial Darwinian tool. The human mind is expressly designed to forget much of its past suffering as the body is designed to heal its wounds. So Henry doesn't remember anything prior to his disappearance has absolutely no memory. Like his first memory is the song that was playing when Alan Pangborn found him in the woods, the kid who appears anyway, I don't know. I don't know if I can say it with certainty, but appears to remember everything Henry doesn't, or at least has the ability to know things about people. Like he knows about Molly. He knows about Henry and knows about his past. And maybe he's got something similar like Molly with the shining that he just knows these things and he can hear the voices and he knows things that have happened. Um, Ruth, who seems to kind of easily slide through memories. She forgets things. Um, mm. and, and, you know, with her dementia and has her memory issues. But she, uh, speaking of Ruth, was it this episode where she revealed that she actually either knew or suspected that Molly killed Matthew Deary and she said, you did the right thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the last that was episode. That to me. Oh, that was last week. Sorry. Yeah. No, well, in, no, that's fine. We can talk about G- it. It's... Mm-hmm. No, that no, it's okay because it's it's worth talking about because it all comes together and it all mm-hmm. plays a part. And you know, I speculated that on the beginning when we first saw that episode of uh, young Molly um, crossing the street from her house, and she's you know, I thought that was a whole you know really beautiful sequence of events when she's walking across the street, up the yard, in the house, in the room, and she unplugs him. And I had speculated before. I thought, how how does Ruth not know? How do you sleep in that same room? I mean, I know she was like super quiet, but. I feel like she almost had to kind of know and mm-hmm. didn't mind it so much because I was getting b- bad vibes from Matthew Deaver before, you know, right. even, even any other episodes had aired. So I just, it, and then when she said that, I was like, she knew. And we're knew learning it. that it's maybe worse than we thought, because I think it was in this episode where she, Ruth really suggested mm-hmm. that Matthew abused Henry and Ruth was sorry that she didn't kill him back then. Mm-hmm. Trying so to like, she shot Alan thinking it was, Matthew. Yeah, because that's mm-hmm. that's when she saw the kid, she saw Matthew. She mm-hmm. didn't see the kid. And, and I know I, I don't have any explanation for that. I don't understand if the kid was do, like if he knew he was doing that. He didn't seem to really it seems play like the a, role. another symptom of whatever it is about him that causes bad stuff to happen. And yeah, maybe it, maybe it was dredging up those bad memories that yeah. she had of him that that, you know, when she saw the kid, she was seeing Matthew because he wasn't it didn't seem like he was really trying to pretend because he, he didn't refer to himself as her husband. He was talking about, you know, whenever this uh, blue moon was playing and he, he was like, well, it was played at your wedding. He didn't say our wedding. Like I'm, you know, he's playing the role. He was like, it was your wedding, your husband, not like I'm your husband. He, yeah. He, he was, wasn't trying to impersonate him. I don't. Right. Think. So I don't know if, but I don't still don't know if that was, you know, how much he had control of that situation and why she thought that was Matthew. Um, or if it was just like you said, it was kind of bringing about in her mind because she's already has dementia and somehow they got twisted. And when she saw him, she saw Matthew. I don't know. We're still, we're still wondering about that. But the last part that I had as far as these forgotten memories. So, um, so Gordon, the husband of this murderous couple that we met 
early and then they were in the cold open, this murderous couple. There was a previous episode after the kid had been released from prison and he's walking down the street and it's night and he goes into this house and, and maybe you'll remember that, but he walks into this house and there's this little kid's birthday party and Mm -hmm. the parents start arguing and fighting. And then of course sounds like a, either murder at least or murder suicide. I don't know, but there's all kinds of screaming and fighting. That was an amazing scene. It was really horrific, but the way the sounds of delight turned into horror, same thing with the sex scene in this episode, by the way, it's like rapture turning into terror. And it's all done without seeing anything. You just hear the sounds of it. That's really right. effective. It was very effective and a very effective scene that you didn't even have to really just, just hearing it was enough. You didn't mm-hmm. have to see it to know what was going on. But, you know, the little boy that was having the birthday, his name was Gordy. Oh, so maybe that's. I that's don't know because. Gordon. I don't Gordy know. Gordy is a the character in. Stand by Stand me. Stand by me. Right. Uh huh. He was the main main character main character he was will yeah. wheaton so maybe will wheaton will i don't know maybe it's will wheaton he'll come back and- <laughs> <That'd be cool. laughs> come on will wheaton what are you doing <laughs> i don't know if he died i don't know i don't remember no i think he he lived on he was he was the one telling the story and stand by oh, me oh that's and right I think, he was richard yeah Trifus. so yeah yeah so he was oh there we go. That's all we need. Yeah, we come, on, need Richard Richard Dreyfus. Dreyfus. <laughs> come on, Richard Dreyfus. Come on, Richard Dreyfus. Forget Will Wheaton. Let's bring in some Richard Dreyfus. You know, poor Will Wheaton. <laughs> no, it's okay. Well, they could both both play a part. Yeah. Past past Gordy and present <laughs> Gordy. Because I'm I'm a Dreyfus fan. I'm a Jaws fan. I'm sorry. Um, His voice yeah, is great. Fan. Stand by oh Me, I think, is actually my favorite Stephen King adaptation. By the way, I, I don't. I haven't gone back and watched it in a while, but I love. It that. still holds up. Does it? Awesome. Yeah, it's 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 probably a classic. Same see. with same with Shawshank. Nice. That's probably my second favorite. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you have to stop everything when Shawshank is on TV <laughs> when you're flipping through channels and it's on. That is a requirement, no matter if it's beginning, middle, or end. It's great all around. But it just made me this theory that I was kind of thought of because they made such a point in the beginning to talk about repression and repressing the memories and how it's it's this guy anyway. His theory is that you know, it's a good thing. And, you know, we have Henry who has these lost, maybe repressed memories who doesn't remember and he's seeking the answers. But then this theory on Gordon, did he, is he that Gordy that we saw? Cause I don't know that this happened. We speculated on that. Like, was this real when it happened? Was it something that the kid was remembering that he witnessed that he, ca- because nobody's talking about it. You know, there was no news about it. They're not talking about you know, I would think that if there are two children in this house and the parents went psycho in each other and either the dad killed the mom or they both killed each other, whatever it was that the end result was, that that would be news to talk about and that they would know about it by now because they're talking about the shooting at Shawshank. They're talking about the wildfires. They're talking about the at Juniper Hill, the, the fires and the, the prisoners or uh, the inmates or whomever um, that were staying there had escaped. But nobody's talking about, you know, this family mm-hmm. with children in the house that have, you know, killed each other for no reason. So I think it was something that he was like remembering. We don't. Yeah, we don't know when it took place since he's yeah. ageless. Exactly. Um, but it, the another a point to it, much like you mentioned, the um, we heard a little news reports of the inmates at Juniper. What is it? Juniper Hill. Mm-hmm. That yeah, they're saying oh they just started lighting their mattresses on fire and they before that had no history of anything like this and with his family we saw he he just needed to be in the area and it seemed to spur them into this like horrific argument so I think the point is just to show that 
or continue to show that when he's around, batshit happens. Right. Yeah. Yep. So that's my number two. Cool. Okay. My number one is just a little bit about Molly. Um, so Molly rescues Henry. And so I guess that means that she still could tune into him, even though he was in this chamber, right? Cause she like found him. I guess so. Because, and that was, I was, we were wondering about that in the last episode because she shows up at Ruth's house and she's like, well, have you seen Henry? Do you know where he's at? So it led us to believe. So can she not, because Henry's in that filter in that room. Yeah. But she found him. So I guess she can. Right. Yeah. Maybe it took some time. Yeah. It was harder. And she says she's confused at to how she found him. So yeah, a little weird. Uh, And then she said she didn't know. uh, I think um, Henry was like, where's the two guys or something. And she said, I don't know. But then it, the, it flashed on the, the guy, what's his name? Uh, The deaf guy. I forgot his name. Yeah. Odin branch. He had like a screwdriver in his eye or something. Mm hmm. So did she, what was that all about? Did, we didn't see that happen, right? Did she kill him? No, she, I don't know. We don't okay, know we don't where, know. who, no, because, she, because he goes, where are the, where are the guys at? And she goes, I don't know. So was she saying, I don't know, because she really didn't know. Um, or was she and didn't, a liar? Or was she lying? But <laughs> somebody killed Odin clearly, but yeah. see, it was with a screwdriver. So was it the kid? The kid oh. got stabbed with the screwdriver. Ruth stabbed the kid with a screwdriver. Um, oh. Or was it Willie, the the, uh, the his that interpreter, he was about to make go deaf? Yeah, he didn't look too enthused about going deaf. <laughs> Being corrected. So, I mean, yeah, be, yeah, to be perfect. That's what he called him. He said, "I'm perfect," and so he said, "And Willie's going to be perfect." And he, Willie didn't look too enthused <laughs> no, about being. Like, mm. <laughs> How about I, I just stab you in the sequence. eye instead? That was great. Yeah. Um, another thing about Molly is Molly. I, she was distressed uh, about you know like. Uh, seeming crazy and he's Henry's like I know you're not crazy and then they held hands for a second he held her hand in support do you think there's anything else there like are they hinting at some kind of attraction seemed like they were when they were kids but or not I think I think it's more one-sided I think Molly has always had a thing for Henry it Mm -hmm. seemed she had quite a crush on him when she was younger at least that's the impression I got and being a former young teen myself feel like I kind of you know, picked up in those vibes. And it's, of course, it's the boy you have the crush on that pays absolutely no attention to you and doesn't know you exist. Or he knows she existed, but didn't see her in that way. Didn't. So you don't think that's changed? That's not changing? mm, I see it more of a, a, at least for him, more of a friendship because he acted like he didn't even remember her hardly when he first got back to town. Jerk. What a jerk. The jerk guys are always jerks. (laughs) (laughs) And then the last is uh, her popping all those pills. And it remember she's like, I remember she told her sister, I just take a half a pill a day or whatever. And she took like one and then another and then two more. And it's like, oh, God, I hate to see that. I think it's opiates. I'm not sure. Yeah, she's on some sort of opiate. Yeah, like an oxy or something, I think. Right. And so this ticks off, like, she as a character ticks off at least two of. Stephen King boxes addict and has mind powers. He writes about both of those kinds of things mm-hmm. a lot, but it's sad because she's, she's a great character. Like she seems like a good person and to see her have this horrible problem is, is upsetting. Right. I, yeah. Well, and I don't know how much, I mean, I, I think that she, I won't say that she's not an addict, but I, you know, it, it did seem like she was 
controlling how much she was taking and it was based on how much effect she was having from like the feelings of others like when she's around henry and it seems to intensify what she feels around him and she described it as like some people you know it seems like it's whispers and other people's it's like screaming in her ears and that's what it's like with with henry so i think it kind of you know, she it's, it's she seems like she only takes it when she really has to, and it seemed like whatever was occurring in that moment that was like in her in her ears and in just so much that she couldn't take and overwhelming that she popped a lot of them. She felt the need. I'm sure for that. that's exactly how she rationalizes it to herself. <laughs> <laughs> trying to give her the benefit of the doubt because i like her and i don't yeah, want her to be absolutely. an addict <laughs> and, and also i mean who knows you could be right but um i know that stephen king has addicts in his stories mm-hmm. a lot yes eddie, eddie dean from dark tower and mm-hmm. even um danny torrance from the shining became an addict later i think i haven't read that sequel yet uh, mm-hmm. Doctor well was Sweet. jack torrance an alcoholic yes yeah exactly so I feel like that, but it seems like she's trying to keep it under control. I don't know how good a job she's doing. You could be right. But anyway, I guess that's all I had to say about her. I like her. I like her too. I may not be right. I'm just, like I said, I'm trying to give her the benefit of the doubt and not see her um, like that because... um... Because you like her, right? Yeah. Yeah. And last week I I heard you and Sean's, or I think you were saying, okay, Alan Pangborn's dead, so now who's going to be the savior of... Uh, Castle Rock because mm-hmm. somebody told him I forget who that you know or Lacey one. wrote right to Pangborn that he's and I'm like, supposed to be the savior you're watching Stephen King it's all going to end in horror there's no one that's going to save it's all going to be terror and murder and death <laughs> well and I do that. I do acknowledge that I do I know this is like a like a Stephen King inspired type universe and nothing really hap- you know happy happens here um, in in a Stephen King world and I'm ready for it to all fall to shit just like every other show that I Actually, watch that ends in terror and tragedy yeah. is I was kind of teasing about that but is that true I mean if you look at the way most Stephen King books end I think they're usually not just horrible awful they're often kind of bittersweet right like there's heavy losses but there are also some wins i think it's it depends not... on what you're reading okay. i mean it I, it kind of goes back and forth i've like seen shining, good outcomes i guess we don't want to tell like give away the endings but well we're yeah. we're we're pretty much we talk almost about everything here so people mm-hmm. kind of i mean i don't know how well we get we were great about warning people that you know, if we talk about the books or the movies or something that happens here, we we kind of, I won't say spill 100% of things, but we, we talk a lot about it, you know, under the assumption that you've read the books. I feel like usually somebody, there's, there's a survivor that's a hero, that's mm-hmm. a good person, and maybe they're scarred in some way, but they, but they get away usually in the books I've read. Mm-hmm. Sometimes. Yeah. Like even misery or, well, I don't want to give, start giving a list because I really don't want to spoil too much, but. But it's like people never come out the same. They, yeah. there's always some type, even if the the person lives, they've been through something horrible or horrific or some tragedy, whatever it is that's happening in that, that book or whatever, they, they're, they're always changed, even mm-hmm. though they've lived. And that's a good thing because they're alive. They didn't die in the story, but they've went through this huge change. So they are not yeah. the same person and they that, they, could be that you met. they physically or spiritually damaged. Yes. Psychically. Yeah. Yeah. Good old Stephen King. <laughs> Pick you up and grind you out. <laughs> Sometimes literally. <laughs> 
Awesome. Okay. My number one kind of talks a little bit about some of that. It's um, kind of talking about Henry and the kids connection. Cause I, and I think you mentioned it just a little bit earlier where clearly these two seem to have some type of connection. It's just, it's, it's like, so to me obvious and in your face that even prior to this episode, I've kind of wondered that and speculated, yeah. but I thought, well, well it's, he asked it's for too it in early. the first place. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. Prison, I mean, that definitely, yeah. you know, kind of, puts it out there that clearly clearly there's some, but you know the warden told him to right. he, he told That's him to, to ask yeah. for him so he may he didn't have to have known him he's like right. you know ask for henry deaver and kids probably was like okay you've kept me in this <laughs> box for 27 years i'm gonna do what you say i'm gonna ask for henry deaver <laughs> he didn't have to know um but I, you know as we've went on it, it kind of i felt become more and more clear that they have some type of of connection and we talked about Odin and Willie who claimed that the ringing in uh, Henry's ears was the sound of multiple universes trying to reconcile w- with each other. So we keep getting all of these clues about these multiple universes. The kid in one of the earlier paintings, the warden did, the kid was wearing the same sweater that Henry was in his missing poster. Hmm. I don't know if you saw that or not, or, or picked up on it, but in the painting though, in the painting that Henry found uh, when Hever he was in, after he'd broken into the B and B, uh, before that couple found him and he was taking the paintings off the wall and taking them out of the frame and looking to see, you could see Warden Lacey's signature and then the year that he did it. And there was one of them that he signed and put 1991. 1991 is the year that Henry went missing. And mm. in that, in that portrait that he painted, the kid was wearing this sweater. That was the same sweater from when they had the posters of Henry when he was missing. It's that exact same sweater. So it's like, why was the kid in the same damn sweater that the kid was in? Um, again, you know, the kid tells Henry he's waiting for him for 27 years. Why? Um, what did he mean by I saved you from that basement? I didn't ask for any of this. He says that they needed to protect Ruth after um, she killed um, Alan. And then how does the kid know about Molly and when she was a kid? And what the hell did he mean when he saw her? He said he, that he saw yeah. her in the woods and saying that she died there. And it was past tense because he said died. Yeah. He didn't say dies there. He said died there. So past tense. So what the hell? When you see those flashbacks of Molly that she was having when she started popping the pills, she's being chased in the woods. You see her lying on the ground. Um, she's got some, it's, she's not covered in blood, but she's got a little bit of blood on her face. Looks like a little bit on her shirt. And there's someone that steps over her wearing this long overcoat. Um, and she looks and she, and she's herself wearing an overcoat. So I don't think it happened because I, I saw some, some theory online that said, oh, she died when she was driving the car. You see her when she's driving the car, she's popped those pills. She's disoriented. She's high and she crashed into a tree and died, but she's not wearing the same clothes. She's wearing different clothes. So people are speculating that there's a different Molly in a different universe that he's talking about or a different dimension that he's talking about that she died there. Mm-hmm. And it just seems because she's still (laughs) alive. What do you mean she died there? And he's talking about past tense. So it's like, is there, you know, some sort of shift or dimensions that are at at play here? Is the kid trying to make course corrections? Because I'm still not convinced he's evil. I think because we get a lot of this directed towards Henry. Maybe Henry is the is the evil one. Maybe somehow the kid saving henry something happened and they you know the woods seem to keep playing a part maybe somehow they switched roles and i don't know switched uh, i don't know there's it's crazy it's absolutely crazy i sound Mm. absolutely crazy um but then 
there's lots of ties to the woods. Is there some sort of opening out there, you know, that um, that you can get to these different dimensions, kind of like what they do like in the Dark Twin Tower? <laughs> yeah. Um, Molly had the cold breath um, in one of the when she, we kept seeing the young Molly um, and the, the police were talking to her about Henry's disappearance. And you could see her cold breath like she was out in the woods with Henry. And then the snow in this episode that appeared when the kid was telling Molly about being in the woods and that she died there. And then um, Henry, when he was in the basement at Warden Lacey's house, you could see the breath coming out of his mouth before he went up the steps. Hmm. So it's, it's all this weird. Yeah, that's interesting connection stuff and the female cop called henry black death like he's a lightning rod but other people think the kid is the one causing the trouble that the yeah. kid is a pusher and that he compels people to do evil things but i think it could be henry you know molly said she could feel henry with her when she walked to his house and killed matthew mm. deaver she said when i looked down it was your hand not mine when when i pulled the plug i could feel you were yeah. with me when i did it but his dad was abusive <laughs> So yes. it might not be being, but yeah, I, I get where you're going. But uh, you just mentioned the scene with uh, Henry and the the police officer who mm-hmm. said he she was a lightning rod. Um, this is a little off subject, but I like that scene because they were getting up in each other's faces, and, and then he goes, "What's your badge number?" And then she showed him the badge, and he kind of looked at it for a second, and then I got the feeling that the actors both decided, "Well, let's just have them both realize that that this isn't nothing's going to come of this." So they just kind of l- rolled their eyes and were like, "Yeah, whatever." <laughs> <laughs> it was cute. <laughs> it was. They diffuse the situation. Yeah, they diffuse the situation. Um, you mentioned 1991. That that's. Um, just because you mentioned that was the year uh, that this went down, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That was also, I don't know if it's a coincidence, but um, it's when Gordon said that Castle Rock, he was telling these uh, customers mm-hmm. that that's when Castle Rock was deemed the murder capital of the world. I think it was Gordon who said that. It, yes, it was. Well, either either him or his wife, but it was during yeah. that scene. That, yeah. And, then, and so I looked at, oh, what was in um, 1991? And, Stephen King published um, Needful, Needful Things, Things. Then, which is one of the <laughs> Castle Rock books. So I don't know yep. if that's all a coincidence. But. Nothing's a damn coincidence. <laughs> it's all on purpose. Yeah, all face. that stuff. I hope they resolve it, but whatever. I'm like, I don't think we can figure it out. It's interesting to think about. It's interesting to think about. It's fun to speculate on. It's fun to be sitting here thinking of, you know, when you're watching all the crazy theories and, and because anything you know when you're dealing with Stephen King universe you know there's everything from the spectrum of just people being evil and and there's nothing pushing them there's evil people in doing Mm -hmm. things or you have some of the supernatural involved so it's 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 and and then everything in between so I feel like that it's just fun to speculate and Mm -hmm. and come up with crazy theories and I don't know I I know I sound crazy with half that stuff but it's like I don't know (laughs) what to think I don't have any answers I don't know what's happening and I don't know that we're gonna get it in the next we only have two more episodes to go so some of this I uh, maybe will be overarching series mysteries you know maybe Mm -hmm. I think we're probably going to get some answers I, because especially oh, since yeah. it, it's an anthology and they're not, it's not like it's going to carry over into season two. They're not going to leave us um, with too many. I don't think, you know, unknown answers. I think there are probably some things we're not going to know or find out. And maybe it's not important to the story that we know it, but I think yeah. that whatever's important, we're going to find out. It's good. It, I feel like if they have some things that are still, that aren't central to the Henry Deaver plot that will mm-hmm. be left 
um, to explore more, especially since it's, you know, they're already know they're having a season two, but yeah, I hope that they cover a lot of it by the end of the next two episodes. I hope so. I feel like we, we just now in this episode in episode eight kind of got just a little bit of, Ooh, you know, not really who the kid is, but I feel like we're, we're kind of getting there closing finally. So finally, (laughs) anyway, anything else in your top five? Nope. You have any notes? The only uh, thing that we didn't talk about is I think Wendell's little AR game on his phone that mm-hmm. his dad thought was VR. Come on, dude. You need the goggles for that. <laughs> is, uh, so AR, for people who don't know, probably everyone does, but it stands for augmented reality. So that's when you see things in your space. But so like you look on your phone, for example, and you it, it's camera mode so you can see everything that's around you. But then they other video game things pop up in that space. That feels like it's right for some horror movie stuff in there where he holds up his AR phone and sees something evil there or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. like I feel like if they don't do something like that, that they're missing an opportunity. So I hope they do by the end of this. Yeah, that's true. It is funny. I don't, and I, I watch on Hulu, which I'm guessing most people do. I know that there are other avenues of watching this show, um, but on Hulu, there are a couple of commercial breaks and I cannot remember the exact, cause I, I'm usually either taking notes or I'm getting up and walking out for a second while it's on commercial. There was this really smart commercial on this, um, this week's episode. And if it aired before, it just totally went past me, but it was kind of cool because it had this couple, they're creeping through the woods with this, all, it's all black and she's holding this lantern and she's like, we're exploring the deep deep dark parts of castle rock and and then it goes into like the commercial part and it's like do you want to know why we're exploring castle rock and i was like oh that's fun how they kind of incorporate the commercial in with the show that you're currently watching that's Mm -hmm. kind of fun interactive but yeah it would definitely be super cool to to have something come out like that Um, well i'm not even talking about that i'm just talking about in the show if wendell has his phone and he's walking around playing his game and he holds it up and sees the kid or something and then he pulls it down and the kid's not there or he sees something. Oh, okay. You know I totally I mean? misinterpreted. I thought you were and talking about making a commercial no, game no, no. out of, you know, themed like, out of this. And then he has to like, he realizes that the thing that he's seeing on his phone really is there and is going to get him. But the only way he can see it is by holding up his phone. Something like that. Okay. I get it. That was totally over my head. That was dumb. Um, no, no. no I, that I was explain it very well, but. No, I told no yeah. that that would that would be cool. It, that would mm. be something I think we've. I'm trying to think. For some reason, it almost seems like we've seen something like that in a in a horror movie. Didn't they have something? Maybe it was with lights, not really the phone or a game, but it was like with lights. That I'm sure we've lights, seen something kind of like that. Yeah, yeah, it was just kind of paranormal cheesy. activity thing or something. Yeah, my my kid made <laughs> made me watch one of them that was like a, a lights out. That if the lights were on and you were in the light, this creepy like poltergeist witch ghost something couldn't get you it could come to the light and if the lights were out it could freely mm. walk around or whatever so i don't remember someone probably knows what that is yeah mm. it was a little bit creepy it was more jump scare than what it was like you know really scary i'm scared more by something like hereditary or mm-hmm. paranormal activity there's that one with uh social media horror movie uh-huh. that's out right now have you seen the trailers for that i've seen the trailers for I'm it i'm kind of curious the about that i wonder any good like you'll be watching on your computer or someone's youtube feed and see a person come into their room or something like that are you talking about searching yeah 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 that new one yeah i saw yeah i've seen several uh trailers for that it looks really interesting and it definitely Mm -hmm. speaks to the current 
temperature of today and what right. people are wrapped up in that. No, I don't have any more notes. Okay. I have a few. Or probably just a few that we haven't already talked about. The The first one that I have I thought was super cool. The director of this episode was Anna Lily Amarpour. I don't know if you've ever heard her, her or not, but she's this type of director. She she has like a unique vision, and she directed Chapter 10 of Legion. That was the episode, and I don't expect you just to remember Chapter 10 because I didn't remember after watching this last season. My mind is still scrambled from mm-hmm. watching this last season of Legion. But that episode, Chapter 10, was the one with the carousel. And when Lenny and Farouk, I hope this isn't giving spoilers. If you guys mm-hmm. haven't seen Legion, this isn't too spoilery, but a little bit of detail. Um, when Lenny and Farouk are dancing down the halls of the Division Three singing um, mm. Swinging on a Star, yeah, she directed yeah, yeah. that episode. Okay. So she, she's kind of known for her unique vision um, nice. and her own little unique style and twist to things. So she directed this episode. So I thought that was super cool when I saw she her name on job. there. Yeah. yeah, she did a really good job. She did a really great job with Legion. And she's done other things, yeah. too, that are, are unique and stand out. So check her out. Um I was curious, super creepy, as if the scene and the the words being spoken weren't creepy enough, but the whole end, that audio that you hear, um, that weird far-off voices and sounds like a record scratching, it wasn't just audio effects, but it's actually a song called Mist, or it's M-I-S-T-E, and it's by Haxon Cloak. Don't ever heard of them. I haven't. Uh, I didn't Google them. I remember. Yeah, it was super creepy and certainly added to the whole effect. I mean, the this, the music that they use really kind of sets the tone and just really, I think, intensifies the horror elements of this. She she was only seen in like a flashback or a very quick flash, but the young Molly Strand, uh, and we saw her in the one episode when it focused mainly on the young Molly Strand, her, um, folks will know her, that's Cassidy McClincy, who was just recently cast... In The Walking Dead. I guess it's not too spoiler to say she's playing Lydia. I won't say who she is or what her character is, but she's the uh, oh, cool. the new character and or one Important of the new character. characters announced in The Walking Dead. So if she looks familiar, then that's could be why. One of the other notes that I had written down, we had talked about the significance of the character Odin's name in in this series um sean and i had on a previous episode when we first met him but odin especially with how this episode and how we found find him in this episode anyway with the screwdriver (laughs) in his eye that you mentioned odin leader of the gods is defined by only having one eye after sacrificing the other eye to gain cosmic wisdom which was his constant goal throughout mythology which i thought was a, a interesting turn considering the odin in this show made himself deaf in an effort to better align himself with the schisma. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, another one, we didn't talk too much about him. We did just a little bit about Wendell Deaver um, and how he started to like hear the schisma as well. And it seems like he's got the same gift or is it a curse? I don't know that yeah. his dad has, but it was strange because he only seemed to hear it when he was leaving Castle Rock. And it seemed like it kept getting worse while he was leaving. And I don't know if that's like it was drawing him back. Like Hmm. if he I don't know. I mean, he didn't say anything, but, you know, he just kept hearing it. and You could see it was really hurting him like it did Henry. And it was it drawing him back like it didn't want him to leave. And then, of course, we had the dead bird. So it's like, well, not all that stuff, because we speculated like you see those dead birds um, at Juniper Hill when the kid arrives and this dead bird dives to its death. You know, so you associate it with the kid, but the kid was nowhere to be found when that happened. 
So yeah. Which still makes me believe that it's Henry that's the evil one mm. and his son being sharing his genes that he has the <laughs> gift and maybe he's evil too. I don't know. But I don't anyway. think that's right, but if it is, I'll be totally impressed. I don't know either. I Like I said, I spout shit out all the time. I throw out these <laughs> crazy wild theories because it's fun, but it, I just thought that was interesting. I thought, why is he only hearing it when he's leaving? And it sounds sounds like the first time he's hearing it and was it drawing him back? Um, and then my own little personal Easter egg that I thought of while I was, I don't know if this was intentional or not, but it's what I thought of during that scene when the, uh, the couple, the murderous couple that was hosting the, their guests in there and they were, you know, talking about the history and they're trying to, you know, sway them in and just charm them. And, um, she had that pie. Um, all I could think was, oh yes, serve up another slice of that thinner pie. For all of you folks who've read the book or saw the movie, um, that's all I could think of as she's starting to cut into this pie and serve mm-hmm. it up. I'm like, don't eat that thinner pie. You're going to regret that. <laughs> so, I think they, yeah, they do stuff like that on purpose for sure. Yeah. It, it, uh, yeah. I don't know that it was. I don't know that anyone else. I mean, if other people noticed or whatever, that's what I thought. I was like, that looks like a thinner pie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love pie, but I'm not eating that one. <laughs> no Stevie anyway. pie. Yeah. That's all my notes. Nice. Awesome. Well, with that being said, all of our notes and our top five complete, we're going to jump into um, the news portion. And there wasn't really a whole lot of Castle Rock news out this week. Not lots of announcements, not really a lot going on. But we do traditionally, if there are any Easter eggs for the show, we'll always kind of name them off and talk about them a little bit because it's always a fun part if you are a Stephen King fan and, you know, kind of know the history a little bit. So a couple that I have here, um, Jackie Torrance, we talked a little bit about her already, knowing her axes, and then, of course, you using one, um, which was a callback to The Shining. Wendell Deaver, when he got off at the bus depot, did you see where he was? Mm-mm. Jerusalem's lot. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> which is, of course, a course. callback to Salem's lot. I was like, um, is this going to be... Yeah, I was trying to think if he was in Boston, but nope. <laughs> nope. He No, that was definitely not Boston when he got off there. He was at Jerusalem's lot, and I thought, kid... You're there at nighttime. That is not the ideal time to be hanging out in Salem's Lot. Uh, this one I got from IGN.com. Um, you mentioned earlier the BTK killer. So while I didn't look, I mean, I knew who he was, but I didn't, you know, look up thoroughly um, like you did as far as that detail. But the BTK killer, um, so the new propri- proprietor of the Castle Rock Historic Bed and Breakfast wrote a scholarly work on the BTK killer, a real life serial killer who also served as the inspiration for Stephen King's A Good Marriage about a woman who discovers that her husband has deadly secrets. Uh, okay. So it is related to yeah. the Stephen King thing. Cool. Kinda. Kinda. Sorta. So that's all that we have for this week as far as news and Easter eggs related. Now we're going to jump into our listener feedback. These are our letters from Shawshank Prison. Jason, you want to take the first one? Uh, I didn't know Kristen was in prison. Kristen. <laughs> I know. I feel do? bad for all these folks. <laughs> Kristen Howe writes, my mouth was hanging open most of this episode and I was yelling at a lot of characters. (laughs) Glad, glad I was alone for this episode because my crazy definitely came out in all the chaos. So many what the fuck moments and a hammer drop at the end. Love this series so much. I'm with you, Kristen. Mm -hmm. She's got some passion about the show that I love. Yeah. 
Avelino Rishino says, love the series. I've only just watched the cold open and had to comment. The strange out-of-town couple shopping for a house who I thought were throwaway characters turned out to be the creepiest people of all. <laughs> Loved this cold <laughs> open. Maureen Favo says, some miscellaneous thoughts and questions. Has anyone figured out the suicidal crows yet? Seems to be logic to it. Just not getting it yet. Seems like Henry may be the common denominator. Ooh, cause he's evil. <laughs> uh, she goes, I did not come away thinking Henry was locked in the lacy basement during his disappearance. Did you? No, I did. <clears throat> I it did. seems too simple. <laughs> I mean, it, I could be totally wrong. I mean, they didn't find a cage down there or anything, but it certainly looked pretty similar. Like when you come down the steps, the way that you saw in Henry's flashbacks when he's on the dirt floor behind some type of cage. And when you see someone come down the steps, he's seeing someone coming down the steps in like this long overcoat. Um, maybe it's the kid coming to get him out. We saw the kid in the flashbacks. Okay. I don't know that it's the same basement, but it looked similar. Okay. Yeah. All right. You talked me into it. I mean, we, <laughs> Lacey, we know, has caged up uh, the kid because at least it seems like he thinks he's the source of all the bad things in Castle Rock and he's trying to protect the town. Isn't that the impression we get? But we don't yeah. know how he figured that out or thought it or found him or anything like that. So right. maybe the last episode will have a lot of Terry O'Quinn in it. That'd be cool. Mm -hmm. She goes on. Do we think the bread and breakfast uh, bed and breakfast couple went all murder crazed from something in the house or handling the painting what would it be else in the house oh just because it's a house where just bad because happened right well i think that it's like when molly was telling it was either molly or jackie talking about like just how all the bad things just happen in this town like every house yeah. has had something bad happening like she talks about her own house like hey mine was home to a, a, a strangler or a famous strangler whatever she called him um and i sleep just fine at night that was good so, i like that yeah so yeah. um it, it doesn't seem to be it could just be if a house is haunted i guess and she kept she did keep seeing matthew deaver but that could just be her her gift or whatever but um yeah. i think it's just a town yeah i mean i think if in the end it's all boiled down to being about the kid who's the core source of all the bad things that would be a little too uh pat or something i don't i don't think i would like that i think it'd be better <clears> if <throat> maybe he's one source but there's also all uh, kinds of other effed up things in castle rock too mm -hmm. it wouldn't be the first crazed town that's for sure <laughs> Who do you think stuck the screwdriver in Odin's eye? Molly, Willie, the kid, Henry. Do we know when last we saw Ruth's screwdriver? Uh, I think we think it was Willie. I hope it was Willie. <laughs> right. Uh, expecting you and your guest host to have a long discussion this week about time travelers and whether Molly's Wood's death vision is a done deal or not. Ruth seems to think there is flexibility regarding Alan's death. Hope you can find a way to clarify, or are we all at the point where we just experience this show instead of trying to figure it out? Oh, so she's thinking that when uh, the kid was talking about Molly having died, that it was still a future, uh, like a prediction, which I didn't consider it that mm -hmm. way. I was thinking more of a past alternate reality thing. Right, so, I was too. Um, yeah, now that you said that, I think Molly's going to die in the woods. Or some version of Molly. 
some version of Molly. Lastly, Henry is a self-absorbed dick. He knows Ruth accidentally shot Alan in her dementia confusion, but he lets the police and everyone believe it is the kid, which is bad. But the worst is he leaves Ruth alone at home. Who does that? Not just because of concern for her emotionally being left alone, but there's the danger to herself, danger to the home, danger to anyone knocking on the door and potential danger for her because the kid is still out and about causing mischief or at the very least perception of danger. Why he left in all of a sudden what, because of his son, right? Cause he found out his son was somewhere. So I feel like, and he went to get him. So I feel like, um, he can at least be partially excused because he wanted to help his son. Oh, uh, that's not why he went out in the woods. And left his son with Ruth. Left Ruth. Oh, 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 yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, he left Ruth alone at home. Because in the in this episode, when the cops were there investigating Alan Pangborn's death, I guess mm-hmm. he just left again. But last couple of weeks ago, yeah, he left because he wanted to. I forget. Anyways, um, yeah. I mean, we, I I can't argue with that. He's left his sick mother there for years and he's obviously somewhat of an absent father. So yeah. He's definitely distanced himself from the town and his family and yeah. I've never said he's a super nice guy. Evil. (laughs) Gotta be evil. I'm just saying, I just think it's too obvious to say it's the kid. I feel like that's where they, they want you that what like they want you to think. And they, it's like, there's all these signs that would make you think that, but it's just too obvious. I'm not saying he's not evil or he doesn't have evil tendencies or he doesn't have something within him that compels people to do evil things. If they have, if they, if if someone's a not nice person or an evil person or has murderous tendencies, even if they wouldn't act on it, I think there's something like you said that amplifies that when he's around, I'm not saying that he's nice or anything. He also caused that one guy to have cancer. I mean, I I think it's just that bad things happen around him. Yeah, and I mean, and it, it may not even really be his fault. He may, he might right. not be he able to be help. Innocent. Yeah, yeah, it could be like, something that was inflicted upon him. It's like if you have the flu and you sneeze on somebody, you didn't want people, to get them sick. Right. <laughs> Maybe you should have just like stayed at just home. <laughs> covered your mouth when you sneeze. I don't know. Yeah. You do you do the Dracula. You put your put your hand in the. In your mouth. <laughs> That's a good way to describe it. It's, it is. It's a good way to it's a Dracula move. <laughs> a lot of people are calling the kid the John Coffey of from the Green Mile. They're calling mm-hmm. him the John Coffey of Castle Rock. That he's not really evil, but he has these powers and he wants to do good, but maybe he can't. I don't know. Either he can't control it, or he has no control over over what he has, or something. Um, but people think there are some parallels with that. I don't know. Okay, so we have a couple emails. First one says, holy crap, this episode. I'm curious where, if anywhere, the Gordon and Lilith storyline is going. Lilith must really want him to forgive her for banging that dude, because not only is she willing to shrug off a double murder, she's also (laughs) trying to straight up kill Henry for breaking into the house. I don't think the kid has had anything to do with them, so something else is up that's making them go apeshit. Second, I think the kid is going to be revealed to have some sort of resurrection power. The comment to Henry about finding him in a basement after everyone thought Henry was dead as a child makes me think he was murdered and brought back by the kid, which is right around the time that Lacey locks the kid up. Maybe that turned Lacey onto the kid being something different or special. 
Also, the kid tells Molly that she died. There's a shot of her lying dead and someone sprinting past her. I think while she was trying to find Henry, Willie and Odin killed her. Then the kill the kid killed Odin, and possibly Willie, and resurrected Molly. Notice it was a daytime shot when we see Molly dead, but she pulls Henry out of the chamber in night slash early morning. I also wonder if there's a production mistake or intentional misdirection with the last scene at the B&B. Henry clearly breaks in during the day, doesn't seem to spend a whole lot of time inside, and it's pitch black outside when he escapes. He would have had to wander around the house for hours for that change in lighting to occur, unless that's exactly what they're saying happened. Looks like Gordon and Lilith were out when he broke in, so he could have had the run of the house for a while. Anyway, your podcast is great. I continue to enjoy listening to it. Tell Sean I'll miss him this week, and don't fuck with Jackie and her axes. Jake. (laughs) (laughs) I like that, the whole resurrection thing. That's pretty interesting. You just never know. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, next, Dear Rima and Super Special Guest. Holy nuts, what just happened? Question mark, question mark, exclamation point, exclamation point. I thought at first this episode might play out as a bit of black comedy with the couple and their murder B&B. Maybe they should mention the murder tours on their website. But shit just got real dark and real bloody real quick. Does it make me sound like a freak to say that I am relishing this show? Yes. But I totally am right there with you. <laughs> Same. I, I've heard some people complain that it's too slow, but I absolutely love the pace it's taking. With each episode dropping tiny clues and answers while leaving us with many more questions, it's like walking down a long, dark Stephen King shaped hallway, picking up the breadcrumbs along the way. As we head towards the shadow, we see lurking at the end. It's wickedly delicious, and my heart is racing through almost every episode as tension is ratchet up a little more every time i'm super bummed that we only got one episode with odin though whom now similar to his namesake has lost his eye and who killed him willie molly henry is henry really the boy that lacy thought was the devil did the kids save him and take his place and molly's dead what so much happened in this episode i'm even more confused please rima tell me what's going on lara willie swink i should have known i didn't even see who wrote that but it was that was some damn good writing. <laughs> damn good writing. Laura always has fantastic things to say mm-hmm. um, in her her feedback. That's why I'm so glad she keeps writing in. Okay, we have a couple of voicemails this week, and the first one that we have is from Pake Allen. Hey, strange indeed. It's Pake again from Texas, and got another after the episode quick feedback review try to go a little quicker than last week um because there's not as much to say i guess about this one not that i had any words last week either but you know uh it's a great episode i really enjoyed it not as emotionally in-depth as last week but still a lot of great creepy horror stephen king moments and still a lot of questions just when you think you're like this show's getting towards the end of the season, so they got to start wrapping things up, and they're not going to make too many more, you know, mysteries happen. But no, they're going <laughs> to kick off the episode by throwing more fucked up shit at us. So <laughs> I guess <laughs> the way that Castle Rock goes, there's still a lot of questions um, as to you know who, what, where, when, why, how the kid is. Um, <laughs> How does he know all of these things? He just seems to be so intertwined in the lives of every single one of the characters. You know, he was with Henry during the time that he was missing. 
and knows all of these ins and outs of his life. And now somehow he's connected to Molly and don't, how do you leave the episode with him telling her, Oh, it's where you died. Uh, we, we, I don't need more confusing questions and mysteries right now. I, this show, what does, where do they get off doing this to me? <laughs> but yeah, um, I guess it wouldn't be a Castle Rock episode without me being completely, really speechless about what is going on, but loving every second of it anyway. So, yeah, I'm real interested to see what you guys have to say about it this week. Um, Yeah, I love having the podcast to be able to break things down because if I just had to sit with the episode by myself and that was it, I just, I don't know what I would do. I, I, I love having the the dig a you know deeper dive into it so really looking forward to this week's episode to hear what you guys have to say about this wonderful mysterious creek fest of a show um all right till next time bye that's awesome that's great and like last week i was a listener of the podcast and i heard your call then and so just uh it made me actually appreciate the show even more just hearing your call. So at least from where I'm standing, you're a part of that. Like, yeah, you like listening to the podcast to help you process the show. And, and when you call in like that, then you're a part of helping other people process it too. Absolutely. That's, that's what I always encourage people in their feedback and bring it in because even if you're not really sure yourself, I'm not sure either. And I think we all just kind of communally help each other out with, with it and try to process it. So at least that's, yeah. you know, an effort with everyone. Everyone's a part of the effort. So I love, <laughs> love hearing it. And I love Pake giving his, um, genuine after watching the show Emotion, reaction instead, yeah. of, instead of stewing on it you're like this is how i'm feeling and i'm i'm i have no words and i love it it's so genuine so thank you so much Pake. we have one more um voicemail this week from steve brown steve hi reman i think uh, jason is is guesting this week it's great to can't wait to hear what you guys have to say about this episode i i can't believe this show is almost coming to an end two episodes left um it's it's wild uh Last episode was amazing, and they followed it up with this episode where they take the creep and the horror factor, and they turn it up to 11. It's uh, it's really great uh, seeing all these things start to come together, and uh, I think it was uh, really cool to see Jackie Torrance be able to bury a hatchet in some guy's head. That's They talked about that in on the inside of the episode after on Hulu that I thought was really cool. Um, a lot of uh, interesting things in this this episode we get the confirmation that uh, Alan Pangborn is has been killed and uh, there's still questions about that I guess uh, I'm not sure what the police are going to do it was uh, I was starting to think how could he just walk away from the ambulance and then you can hear the cops uh, shouting who was watching him and where's he going and all that so uh, there at the end of the episode so it's really uh, again just a really great episode I can't wait to watch it again um, I might have some more thoughts, but if I do, I'll send them an email. Um, just want to say again how this season is its becoming even better than I thought it was going to be. It started out really great, the first few episodes, and then we had last episode that was just amazing. And then this episode really brings in the horror factor and even some of the gore uh, with the blood and, and stuff. So, uh, interesting. Um, the only question I had is... 
is why did Molly go to her parents' old house there at the end? Didn't she say she was going to Henry's house? I, I was confused about that, so maybe you guys can clear it up. Anyway, can't wait to hear what you guys say. Thanks. Hmm. So Molly's parents' house was across the street from Henry's, so maybe she, when she was going to, I, I kind of, I might have overlooked that a little bit, but she, um, what, noticed a light on, or did she feel drawn to it because the kid was there? But Henry, her, her parents' house was across the street from Henry's, so, Yeah, right? so that's a good point, yeah, so it's right there. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure either. I'd go back and watch, but it helps it make a little more sense since it was right there that she could just go <laughs> see something there and go there. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, everyone, so much for writing in on our Facebook page, um, interactions on Twitter, the emails that we get, and of course, the, the awesome voicemails that we get. Um, I truly appreciate everyone's feedback and input because I think only together are we going to figure out what the hell's going <laughs> going on by talking about this show and everyone enlightening us with your own theories and and thoughts. So thanks everyone so much. Okay. So next week's episode. So next week we'll be reviewing the ninth episode of Castle Rock titled Henry Deaver. And the description given is a world beyond these walls. That's a good description. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean and Reem are excited for you to travel to Castle Rock with them while visiting. You can follow them on Twitter at Strange T Cast. You can like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com, Stranger T Cast. And you can check us out on Instagram, Strange Indeed Pod. And you can send an email to StrangerThingsCastPod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV Time app. You can find Strange Indeed and a lot of other great podcasts like The Walking Dead Cast at podcastica.com. Go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed on Apple Podcast. That's the only other one right now, by the way. It's just the two of us. Did you know that? Because <laughs> yep. all the other shows are on break because they all it's, happened in freaking April. They're just dormant. <laughs> and make sure to check out Sean on his other hilarious podcast, The Language of Bromance, that comes out every Sunday. Well, with all the podcast love, and we mentioned the Walking Dead cast, which is currently the, your active one right now, but you yeah. want to tell folks about what other stuff you have going on or might have going on? Well, like I said, they're all dormant right now. Um, I'm looking forward to American Gods coming out whenever that does again, because we have American God cast. Legion is probably my favorite show that we're podcasting on right now. Sadly, Ash vs. Evil Dead is over. But uh, for those of you that are wondering when the hell we're going to start podcasting about Game of Thrones again, I think that's coming soon. I think in the next week or two. So stay tuned on that. Yay. Yeah. That's good news. Yeah. We missed that. I know. Me too. Yep. Awesome. Thanks so much. Well, all right. That's our show. Episode 54, Past Perfect. Until next time, I am still not Sean. <laughs> and I'm Rima. And Lara Willie Swink is strange indeed. <laughs> <laughs>